Bada bing, bada bam. Welcome to this week's Bacon a Mystery, Bacon a Murder episode. Okay, I'm just going to jump right into it because it's going to be a long one. It's another book. It's another doozy. And we're going to be making some like French toast milk bread, but it's not French toast. It's like chewy, milky, mochi toast. Listen, it's another variation of milk and bread. I don't know what to tell you, but it looks absolutely delicious. You're just gonna have to stay till the end of this, I don't know, five hour long video to figure out what it looks like. So I don't know why I put this book off for so long. Like this, every single person was like, oh my God, Stephanie, you're gonna love this book. But I checked out the day that it was published, like the year that it was published, and it was around the time. And I feel like thriller books, they all go through these trends. Like, you know how we had the Hunger Games trend? Well, the thriller, the thriller mystery books, they all went through a trend of like the unreliable narrator, domestic thriller, society. Like, oh my god, the police will never believe her because she's had like a history of mental illness and she drinks a lot of wine. I thought it was gonna be another one of those. Okay, just by looking at the cover, just by, you know, reading the title, the synopsis, and I just put it off for so long, but then I gave it a try. I gave it a little bit of a whirl because why is everybody obsessed with this book? What's the title? Behind Closed Doors by B.A. Paris. It is so good. It is not overhyped. I think I devoured this book in like five hours. Literally top five books that I've read this year and I've read so many books. <laughs> okay, B.A. Paris is a freaking queen. I don't even know what to say. I believe this was her first published book ever. This was years ago. She has now like four or five more books. One of them recently came out. Um, I already picked up The Therapist, which the whole synopsis of that is like the juiciest thriller ever. It's about a couple who move into a home and before they moved in, a therapist used to live there. But nobody wants to talk about the therapist. Nobody wants to talk about what happened in the house before the therapist moved out. Like, it's the weirdest thing. Is it not so eerie? Like, a therapist's secrets? Are you freaking kidding me? Sign me the fork up for spooky season. Anyway, I digress. B.A. Paris, her writing is off the charts. Like, her books, I'm gonna link them in the description and in the pinned comment, but Wow, <laughs> amazing. So with that being said, let's just get into the highly requested book, Behind Closed Doors. This is again one of those books that constantly switches from the past and the present until the two timelines merge together in the end. And I'm, I'm like 50-50 with these past and present timelines. You know this. This one, really good. Also, you think that you know what this book is about for like 50% of the book, like don't click out of this video because you think you know. It's about an abusive husband, it's a domestic thriller, nobody believes the abused wife, but it is so much creepier than that, like it just gets so bizarre. Just very innovative, so. So get a chunky slice of bread and just submerge it in milk because who doesn't love soggy, soggy bread? <laughs> anyway, trigger warning. There's a lot of domestic violence and a lot of domestic abuse. A lot of it is not physical. It's more emotional and mental, but it's heavy. So with that being said, let's peer into the fancy dinner party of present time being hosted at the Angel House. Yeah, the couple's last name is Angel. The Angels... We're the perfect couple, you guessed it, okay? And if you don't have an eye for small details, okay? Like the champagne bottle being expensive that knocks against the counter, you wouldn't see Grace Angel jump nervously and Jack Angel smiles at her <laughs> with a smile that doesn't quite reach his little eyes. But for most people, 
you wouldn't see these little interactions. You wouldn't see the little tension, these little points where Grace Angel just seems a little bit too nervous. All you see is this beautiful mansion in the suburbs of London, antique fireplaces in the sitting rooms, beautiful kitchen that overlooks a nice beautiful terrace with this plush garden in the back. Everything has that posh beige decor, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Looks straight out of an architectural digest tour. And when you hear about the story, how they bought it, God, great dinner party conversation, are you kidding? Okay, did you know Jack told Grace to draw a picture of her dream house on a piece of paper when they were dating early, early on, and then he bought her the dream house and she didn't even see it until after they got back from their honeymoon and he picked her up and literally galloped through the front door. I would gag, I would gag if I was there. Okay, disgusting. I wish someone did that for me, though. That's what all the guests said, not me. <laughs> you can't draw, so... <laughs> it would literally look like a horror house if I drew it. Oh, that is very elevated technique. Wow. And you're just gonna let it, I don't know, drown for the next 30 minutes. And Grace would just smile and say, I mean, yeah, of course, I know the story. And she would remember feeling Jack constantly telling her that the house was perfect for them, that she had no idea what it meant until she actually saw the house. And then she knew. It was incredibly private, secure, with the best complicated alarm system that money could buy. It had steel shutters on all the downstairs windows, meaning that if you press a button, these steel shutters come closing down and the windows are completely secured with the click of a button. You know, it's kind of a bit strange when you think about it, like being locked down, and you see it, it's locked down during most of the day. But Jack would just tell everyone, oh, it's because of my job, you know? I've had a few bad apples out to get me, which is understandable. So tonight's guest consisted of all of Jack's friends and acquaintances. It was always Jack's friends and acquaintances. Grace didn't really have much friends, but you would never know that considering this is a polite dinner party and Grace has manners. She doesn't announce, hey guys, we never do dinner parties with my friends because I never fucking have any. No. They were there with Jack's friends. You had Adam, who worked with Jack at the law firm, and his wife Diane, which side note about the law firm, Jack Angel was a memorable lawyer, a remarkable one. He was brilliant, he had never lost a case, and he only represented victims of high-profile domestic violence cases. So celebrities, athletes, politicians, high net worth individuals, domestic violence cases. Adam and Diane were close friends of Jack, and by default, they were close friends of Grace Angel. Then the newcomers, there were Rufus and Esther. Adam and Jack ran into Rufus while they were golfing, and Rufus was good at golf, but he wasn't good enough to beat Adam and Jack, so they really like him. They're like, he's good, but he's not gonna put us in our place, so like, we love him. So naturally, he becomes a friend. But it's Esther that's the most intriguing out of all the dinner party guests. Okay, so you see Diane. She's nice, she's sweet, but she's predictable. She's the one that's like, oh my God, Grace, this is so beautiful, thank you so much. But Esther was the first person to ever step into the angel house that wasn't falling over herself to compliment the couple on how perfect their house was and how perfect they were and how perfect their food was. She was almost cold when she walked in. She was kind of complicated. Even when she stood in front of this big painting above the fireplace, her face was blank. Everybody else was 
amazed. Jack was explaining that each of the hundreds of tiny red marks on this massive painting were hand-painted by Grace. All the little silver edges that you see of the red dots, again, hand-painted by Grace. It's called fireflies. Yeah, can you believe it? I can't believe she painted it. You should see all her other work one day, guys. They really are something. Oh, well, where are they? Are they around here? Like, I'd love to see it. No, I'm afraid they're hanging elsewhere in the house. For my eyes only, I assume. <laughs> and all the guys laugh. Grace says, yeah, or his eyes only. Great. Um, if you guys want to head into the dining room, I have dinner prepped. So Grace Angel has dutifully prepped a multiple course dinner. Beef Wellington as the main with a fancy dessert of souffle at the end. All handmade, all from scratch. The world's champ best champagne being served at the dinner table. This was considered a casual dinner invite for the angels. During the dinner, you had the normal conversation pieces, okay? Diane was scolding Grace. You missed another lunch appointment we had. Sorry, I know, but I told you I had a migraine, Diane. Yes, Diane, our Grace here has so many migraines and they just come up out of nowhere. Yeah, but Grace, it's the second time you stood me up. I'm sorry. Well, it's okay. I mean, I'm sure we can reschedule for next Friday. No big deal to make up for it. Are you free or another migraine or dentist appointment gonna come up that you suddenly forgot about? No, no, no. Next Friday sounds perfect. Good. And maybe Esther wants to join, right, Esther? So it was settled. Grace, Diane, and Esther were going to lunch next Friday. Okay, this is all important later. Am I losing you with all these names? No. Okay, good. But honestly, Grace felt really guilty because she knew in that moment that she would be canceling. She would not be showing up. So Grace just turns her focus onto Esther and tries to befriend her. She knows that's what Jack would want her to do. Now, what's interesting is that Esther is put off by the fact that Grace knows too much. Picking up on this, Grace makes it a point to ask her, Oh, and how old are your children again? Even though she knows perfectly well how old they are. Oh, and what school did you say they were attending? Even though she knew damn well all the answers. And Esther is not latching on to Grace like Diane did. She seems a bit more standoffish, more skeptical of Grace's perfection. I mean, can you blame her? So out of nowhere, Esther asks very pointedly, how long have you and Jack been married? Oh, um, a year. Oh, well, I hope you don't mind me asking, but were either of you married before? Ah, uh, there we have it. Esther wants some tea. She wants something to indicate that the angels' lives are not perfect. But sorry to break it to you, Esther is going to leave disappointed because it is up to Grace that Esther never sees anything but perfection inside them. Same goes for everybody else in that room. Oh, no, Esther, neither of us were married before. I mean, it is an understandable question, though, because Jack is 40 and successful and, you know, handsome and so funny. But yeah, how he didn't find someone before me is, is a strange, yeah. <laughs> and Diane butts in, you know, Esther, we tried to introduce him to so many women before Grace, but nope, he didn't care at all for any of them until he met Grace. Really? What about you, Grace? Was it love at first sight for you, too? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Why is she acting sus? Is she acting sus? A little bit, just too perfect. Like, not even mm. joking. Like, it's weird. Oddly perfect. Grace is smiling and she's thinking, you know, it's nice. It's nights like this that she remembers why she fell in love with Jack. 
He's charming, he's intelligent, he's always good at saying the perfect things to get people off her back. But not Esther. Esther does not quit. She's not one to pick up these social cues and go with it. She'll keep asking you the damn questions. <laughs> so how did you guys meet? At the park on one Sunday afternoon. Diane's like, oh, you have to tell her what happened. Grace, I love this story. <laughs> Okay, well, at the risk of boring those who've already heard this before, I was at the park with my little sister, Millie. We go there every Sunday, or well, we did, and there happened to be this band playing, and Millie loves music. She was enjoying herself. She was dancing in front of the band. She recently learned the waltz, so she got up, stretched her arms out in front of everyone, and just started dancing as if she was dancing with someone. You know, some park goers, they were happy to see herself enjoying herself, but I could see that some people were feeling uncomfortable. And I knew that I should probably call her back to sit back down, but there was a part of me that didn't want to. How old is your sister? Oh, um, 17, Esther. N nearly 18, actually. Oh, so she's a bit of an attention seeker then. <laughs> no, she's not. It's... Just, I mean, she must be. Most people don't usually just get up and dance in the park, do they? The whole table turns awkward and Jack interrupts. Actually, Esther, Millie has Down syndrome, which means she is often wonderfully spontaneous. The energy is incredibly awkward and Grace tries to save the day. Anyway, before I could decide what to do, this perfect gentleman comes up from his seat, goes over to Millie and holds out his hand. Millie was delighted and they began to waltz and everyone was applauding and other couples got up to waltz and it was just this very, very, very special moment. And of course, I immediately fell in love with Jack for making it happen. And Jack um, was the gentleman? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but what Grace didn't know at the time was that I, Jack, had been had watched Millie and Grace the week before at the park and I had immediately fallen in love with Grace. She was just so attentive to her sister. She was so utterly selfless. I had never seen that kind of devotion in anyone before. And I just, I knew I needed to get to know her better. And what Jack didn't know was that I noticed him the week before and I never thought that he would be interested in me. And everyone nods in agreement, which is honestly kind of freaking rude, but it makes sense because Jack was the perfect catch. Anyway, the conversation expands and Grace talks about how she had stayed single for a long time because after Millie turns 18, Grace had agreed to take full responsibility of Millie for the rest of her life. So Grace and Millie's parents, they're gonna go retire in New Zealand, which is a bit of a world away, so it's just gonna be Grace and Millie. And that usually sends a lot of guys running for the hills, but not Jack. The fact that Grace would do anything for Millie only made him love her more, and that had all the dinner guests wooing and awe for Jack, just praising him for being, I don't know, a normal human being. <laughs> They're like, woo, Jack, just nonstop, okay? We get it, I'm gagging. Then the conversation moves to Jack's work, where he starts ranting about how he has nothing but contempt for men who beat their wives. What? Yeah, yeah, he just hates when men are violent towards their wives. And he always wins his cases to help his victims and make sure that the perpetrators go away for a very long time. He has an unbroken track record, which is insane in the world of criminal justice. So everybody at the table is quite impressed by the guy. Now, maybe because Esther messed up by calling Millie an attention seeker, she keeps bringing the conversation back to Millie, which honestly Jack is more than happy to indulge in. 
He starts telling Esther how in the beginning of their marriage, Millie did not like that Jack was stealing all of Grace's time. But soon, Jack was her favorite person, and Millie went back to hating George Clooney. George Clooney. <laughs> okay, it's a funny story, but um, Millie was jealous when my friends had gifted me a George Clooney calendar for Christmas one year, and she told everybody that she hates George Clooney because she was worried that I would like him more than I liked her. And now she never stops telling everyone that she hates him, and it's kind of a bit of a mantra now. She always says, I like Jack, but I don't like George Clooney. <laughs> Interesting. And Esther says, and Grace, do you work? She could feel it. Grace could feel Esther's thinly hidden distaste for women who don't work. I used to, but I gave up my job before getting married. Oh really, why? And Jack butts in to the rescue. Well, she didn't want to. Perhaps it was selfish, but we were both exhausted from work at the end of the day. She traveled all the time. I thought it, would, it wouldn't be great to get married and never see each other, right? Well, what was your job, Grace? So literally Esther is just grilling her for no reason and Esther has these pale blue eyes that just pierce into Grace's soul. So it's like she can't even not answer. It, it's like she's interrogating her. Oh, um, I was a buyer for Harrods for fruit. <laughs> oh, well tell her about your travels, Grace. I'd I'm sure Esther would love to know. Fucking Diane. Okay, <laughs> well I travel to South America frequently to source fruit. That must have been interesting. I can't believe you quit a job like that. Yeah, it was interesting. I loved every minute of it. You must miss it then. Um, not really. I have plenty here to keep me occupied. And Jack interrupts. And as soon as we have Millie to look after, um, we'll be very swamped. Isn't that right, Grace? Right. So what do you do all day? What's up with her? Like, what is this? An interview? What's going on? I don't know. Where's my little gloves? She's like, oh, you know, um, I cook, I clean garden when the weather permits, um, I hit bubbles. No, I'm just <laughs> And Grace smiles, but she can't help but feel jealous. She kind of wonders what it would be like to be in these other women's lives, to be Diane or to be Esther, or to even what it would be like to not have Millie. And Grace feels guilty for even thinking that because she would give up the world for Millie. But it's something that she thinks about more and more these days. Then the conversation changes to Adam and Diane's upcoming vacation. A trip to Thailand, okay? They're so freaking excited. Originally, they had been planning to go to Vietnam, but they saw those amazing pictures of Grace and Jack in Thailand, and they just knew they had to go stay at that resort. They were so excited. Jack even forces Grace to show off the beautiful pictures of them hanging out in Thailand. Okay, the photos are stunning, if we're being honest. Grace is standing in front of a private beach or in front of a luxurious hotel or eating at like Michelin star restaurants. She is housewife on crack. She's thin, she's beautiful, she's conventionally, stereotypically, the definition of perfection or whatever. It's just one of those things. And she is so deeply in love with her husband, Jack. And Jack is a perfectionist. What these people don't know at this dinner party is that Jack literally forced her to retake the same picture over and over again, million times, until he was happy with the results. <laughs> 
And after some more fake laughs and smiles and more praise for the angel couple, the other two couples, Adam and Diane, Rufus and Esther, they thank the host for the delightful dinner and they start putting on their coats to leave. The dinner party went perfectly. And at the end, they close the door. Their guests are all gone. And that means Grace turns to Jack and says, we need to leave at 11 tomorrow to get there in time to take Millie out for lunch. And she walks up the stairs. Now we get a flashback to the past. 18 months ago, to be precise. Like, okay, ready? Hold on. Oh, okay. That is so like, weird. How is that going to brown? So um, this is when Grace's life became so perfect. That was the exact day that Jack approached Millie at the park and started dancing with her. Grace fell in love and she didn't expect anything, okay? Falling in love is easy. It's about one to two years into it. That is when guys start realizing, oh, you're serious? Like Millie has to live with us when she turns 18? I thought you were just saying like you love your sister. I didn't know she was actually part of the deal. And they start thinking about how hard their life is gonna be and how they'll never have a quote, normal family. And they go running for the hills. And now that Millie is 17, soon to be 18, I mean, it was going to be nearly impossible for Grace to start dating someone and expect them to be okay with the fact that she's going to be a full-time guardian to her little sister soon. That is, till she saw Jack dancing with Millie. And you know, it's complicated for Grace. In that moment before Jack, Grace was so proud of Millie for mastering the waltz that she just learned a few weeks ago. Ooh, sizzling. And she was just so proud of her. But then all these looks, the snide sneers from everyone in the crowd, she was angry. She was angry that she felt like she needed to stop Millie from having fun so that she wouldn't get hurt. She just wanted Millie to enjoy herself. That was it. Sometimes Grace found herself wishing Millie was, quote, normal, and that made her feel really guilty. Two dances later, Jack asked Grace if he could sit down with them. And how could she say no? I mean, Millie loved Jack from the get-go, and the two of them, they start talking, and Grace was expecting Jack to bring up his wife or his children, because how could a generous man that handsome at that age not be taken? But he never did, nor did he have a wedding ring on. They talked about Millie's school. Millie goes to a boarding school during the week, comes to stay with Grace during the weekends, and, you know, the boarding school is really expensive, but Grace works really hard to pay through it. It's the only school that treats Millie like an intelligent human, which she is. And then Jack asked to go grab tea, and the rest was history. Grace said it was so easy to fall in love with Jack. Like, he wasn't, you know, he was older, he wasn't much older, but he had this old-fashioned vibe about him. He opened doors, he helped her with her coat, he sent flowers after every date, and most importantly, he was good to Millie. They only dated for three months before Jack asked to meet Grace's parents, which honestly was a bit awkward because Grace never had the best relationship with her parents. This is like the whole backstory, okay? This is history on the family dynamic. Grace always wanted a little sibling. She pestered her parents for years and years until they finally sat her down and was like, Grace, we're gonna be honest with you. We don't want another child. In fact, we never wanted any children at all. She got the message. Grace got the message loud and clear. So 10 plus years later, Grace's mom finds out that she's pregnant and she's horrified. She's 46. How can she be pregnant? She never wanted children and here she is pregnant for the second freaking time. And now she's five months pregnant because she just didn't think that she could 
possibly be pregnant. An abortion would have been illegal, so Millie was born. And even harder for her parents to deal with was the fact that Millie had Down syndrome. But Grace didn't care. Grace fell in love with Millie the second she laid her eyes on her. Oh my god. Whoa! That is beautiful. Yeah, this is what? very... Mother <laughs> What was that? I don't know. So anyway, Grace fell in love with Millie the minute that she laid her eyes on her. So when their mom had PPD, postpartum depression, Grace took over all the day-to-day -day care, feeding her, changing her diapers, everything. When she was just three months old, Grace's parents told her, hey, we're putting Millie up for adoption, and we're going to move to New Zealand and just live life there, be happy. And Grace screamed the roof off their house. She even tried to end her life by overdosing on her parents' pills. Somehow, it didn't work. The overdose didn't work, she survived. But it worked in the fact that they didn't put Millie up for adoption. The only condition was that Grace would take care of Millie after she graduated from college. Okay. That looks kind of good. Yeah, like half the bottom is gone, but that's okay. There wow, we go. Wow, it looks kind of runny. Yeah. So uh, Grace is screaming the roof off their house. Um, she attempts to take her own life, and it freaking works because her parents decide as long as you take care of Millie after college and we get to go retire in New Zealand, then fine. You can do whatever the freak you want. We will take care of Millie for now, right? That is how Grace finds a nice boarding school for Millie, one that wouldn't treat her just like another student and another tuition. And Grace works hard to pay the ridiculous tuition every single year. And their parents were just kind of never in the picture. Like, they were fond of the kids, don't get me wrong. They were not abusive, they were not neglectful. So don't get me wrong, they just were not the type that were supposed to have kids in the first place. They just weren't very maternal or parental in any situation. But because Jack asked to meet them, Ooh. Oof. gonna taste like a tiramisu or something. Look at that. Now the pretty part is when they cut it, it's like this gooeyness just runs out of it. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, so that's... Ready? Yeah. Okay. So there's like bread, there's milk, there's yogurt, oh. there's cocoa powder. It does kind of feel mochi. Oh my gosh. Hello. You know what these problems with these fucking Asian videos? <laughs> not hmm? too sweet. <laughs> First of all, it's not sweet. Second of all, it's a lot of work for, you know. Why you keep eating that? It's actually really good. Mm. Can I get a bite? Mm -hmm. It's like warm milk. It's nice. Nobody it's like a nice milk. warm midnight snack. Good thing we used Oof. almond milk. Imagine if we used actual cow dairy titty milk. It would have mm -hmm. tasted so titty. Petition to just make a fucking cookie next week. Petition to who? To yourself? Yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. If you've ever had unprotected sex, you know the feeling. But I just remember going to the store to get one and it just felt weird. Like I should be embarrassed about it. But like why? Well, Julie is hoping to help with that. Julie is the emergency contraceptive company for the next generation. Julie focuses on learning and acceptance and not on stigma and shame that usually comes with emergency contraceptives. Julie is an FDA approved morning after pill that helps stop pregnancies before it starts. It works best when taken right away or with
within 72 hours of having unprotected sex. I love that Julie focuses on the mission, that women deserve products that are easy in every way, easy to find, like easy to take, easy to relate to, easy to understand. So that's the way Julie works. Julie stops your body from releasing an egg using the same active ingredient as plan B. Essentially, Julie works by preventing or delaying your ovulation with no egg, there's no fertilization, and therefore no pregnancy. And it's no risk to future fertility. You can find Julie at Walmarts across the US or you can order online to have more for the future just in case because you know. It's legal in all 50 states. You don't need an ID, prescription, or credit card to get it. You can go to juliecare.co to learn more or find Julie at your nearest Walmart today. That's juliecare.co to learn more. Jack asks to meet them and Grace agrees because she suspects that her parents were more than pleased with Jack. You know, they'd be very excited to know that he's someone that they could trust Millie with. Jack was the perfect boyfriend. He knew how to get along with both parents and it went really well. And after their initial meeting, Jack and Grace take a walk in the local park, the same park that he met them. This is like three months into dating. And uh, she's like, what did you think of my parents? Oh, they were perfect. That was weird. Grace would hardly call her parents perfect. Like, maybe it's because Jack's parents died when he was younger. Maybe that's why, but they're like not perfect. Most people could agree to that. What do you mean they're perfect? They were just everything I hoped they would be. Okay, it's like definitely because his parents died when he was young for sure. So he never really understood what a tight-knit family was because this was not a tight-knit family. Strange, but they keep walking in the park, holding hands and they stop at that exact spot where they had first met, where Jack had danced with Millie. And Jack gets down on one knee, out of freaking nowhere. Grace, will you do the honor of marrying me? Grace was so shocked by his proposal that she thought he was joking. She's like, what? But he kept going. From the minute that I first saw you sitting in the grass over there with Millie, I knew that you were the woman that I had been waiting for my whole life. I don't want to wait any longer to make you my wife. I, I wanted to meet your parents so I could ask for your father's blessing. And he gave it to me, happily. Grace is confused and amused that her dad had been so willy-nilly to give his blessing to someone that he just met like two minutes ago, but everything felt right. Grace started feeling the happiness, the bubbling up, and, and she's just, she, and he's like, before you respond, Grace, before you respond, I just want you to know that wherever we live, there will always be a place for Millie. And with that, Grace screams, of course I will. And he picks a ring out of his pocket. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply it slips it into her finger it was a beautiful diamond ring and it's just the cutest beautifulest story right well let me just run you through the happy monologue because we know it's gonna end soon okay then we're gonna get married ASAP Grace thought it was crazy to get a wedding done in that short amount of time but Jack knew friends who had massive you know connections he knew a friend who had this country estate that they could have their wedding in this beautiful vineyard in the back there weren't gonna be many guests anyway just their tight-knit circle so it's perfect. 
Well, nearly perfect. Grace was a little annoyed that they hadn't had sex yet. Oh, and the fact that Jack wanted her to quit her job. Yeah, that wasn't great. But I guess it kind of made sense. She did travel a lot, and they wanted to start their own family right after they started living together, have their own kids. They have to take care of Millie. I mean, it made sense. Jack actually said, I want you to quit now so that we can have some alone time before Millie comes to live with us. She's like, yeah, but that's an extra year of her tuition and I don't have that kind of money. Mm -hmm. He offered to pay for it. And uh, they were going to go on their honeymoon, do nasty things when they get back, and then go into the family life. It was all settled. And then Jack had Grace draw her dream house out just on a piece of paper. How many rooms? Well, where's the study going to be? Upstairs or downstairs? Maybe downstairs with windows like this. Do you think we should have a terrace in the back? What kind of garden were you thinking? Like rose bushes? And they sat there and planned out every little detail. And in the end, he said, okay, I'm going to buy you your dream house. But you're not allowed to see it until we get back from our honeymoon. Yeah. It's kind of romantic, no? So Grace puts her apartment up for sale, packs her things, had them sent to the movers to the new house, except she just didn't know what the new house was gonna look like. She just had a couple of things for the honeymoon and that was it and the wedding and she was so excited about her future. All her worries, every single worry about being alone, growing old with Millie one day, just the two of them, always working hard to support them, never ending rat race, like all those worries, they were just gone overnight. Grace felt like the luckiest girl in the entire freaking world. So back to the present. Jack was someone who paid attention to details. He was quite meticulous if you ask me. Usually, if they had to be somewhere, he would come fetch Grace 30 minutes before so she would have exactly 30 minutes to get ready. She had already showered, so 30 minutes, you know, that's long enough to get dressed and put on her makeup, all under the watchful eye of Jack. He liked to watch. Grace worked on making sure that she didn't seem excited or happy about going to see Millie. She wanted to seem calm and detached, composed, like a normal woman on a normal day going about. Well, I don't know how normal it is having a massive wardrobe the size of a room in a fancy house like this, but what can she say? Jack watches her undress from her PJs, slip on her underwear, then her blue dress. It was Millie's favorite dress on her. But he interrupts and says, wear the cream one instead. Grace takes off the blue dress and puts on the cream one, grabs a pair of heels and a matching bag, which she hands to Jack. It was time to go. In the car, Grace stares up at the house in front of her, their house. Only it doesn't feel like theirs. And for a minute, she's trying to imagine how beautiful it must look from others' perspective when you first drive in. It was beautiful. They pull out the double gates and start driving. The conversation of choice was the dinner party from last night. Jack goes, the dinner was perfect. Great timing on the dessert, by the way. Perfection, everybody said so. But um, everyone see except Esther doesn't seem to like you very much. I wonder why? Grace had to be very careful about the words that she chose next. She doesn't appreciate perfection. Jack nods and keeps driving. He likes the answer. And Grace thinks about Esther. You know, in a past life before Jack, Grace would have loved a woman like Esther. Like, they would have been friends. Esther's intelligent and she's smart and she's witty. She, she's not easily swooned by a couple of fucking cupcakes. Yeah, but Esther's intelligence makes her dangerous to someone like Grace. It's not that Esther doesn't appreciate perfection. Esther's very suspicious of it. That's what Grace thinks about as they drive to Millie's boarding school. There, they meet Millie, who is bouncing up and down as they pull up, and she's in her favorite outfit, paired with a yellow hat and a yellow scarf. Yellow is her favorite color. 
Janice, Millie's carer, is there too. And the four of them, they all hug and say pleasantries in front of the school about why Grace hasn't visited in so long. And Jack gives a smooth, perfectly executed excuse about how Grace had the stomach flu. And we didn't dare come until we knew we were in the clear. Obviously, we didn't want to get Millie sick. Janice bought all the lies. Millie smiles up at Jack. Hello, Jack. Happy to see you. I'm happy to see you too, Millie. You do understand why we couldn't come for a few weeks, right? Yes. Poor Grace. <laughs> she was sick, but doing much better now, right, Grace? Yes, much better. Oh, and Millie, Jack has a present for you. Yeah, another Agatha Christie murder mystery. Millie loves a good murder mystery novel. That's her favorite. So Jack makes it a cute little gift here and there. Audiobooks of Agatha Christie. Wow. Thank you, Jack. My pleasure. So where should we go for lunch, Millie? The hotel. Her response is immediate. Grace knows why she wants to go to the hotel. She, every single time they come to visit her, Millie wants to go eat at the hotel. And Grace also knows why Jack will never take them back to the hotel. Why don't we go to the restaurant by the lake, Millie? Or the one that has the delicious pancakes? Which one do you like? Millie seems annoyed. I like hotel, but by the lake is fine. They get into the car, wave bye to Janice, and drive to the restaurant by the lake. And uh, Millie wanted Grace to sit in the back with her, but Gr Jack told her, that makes me feel like a taxi driver, Millie. So instead, Millie sat in the back by herself. They get to the restaurant and they sit the same seating arrangement as they always do, with Jack in the middle, Millie and Grace on either side of him. Grace stretches her legs out from under the table and finds Millie's and it's like their little secret sign. Throughout the entirety of the lunch, Millie is trying to find ways to be alone with Grace without saying it outright to Jack, but Jack is always fucking tagging along everywhere, even escorting them to the bathroom and waiting outside the woman's restroom door. And in the end of their lunch date, Millie looks at Jack and says, very seriously, I like you, Jack, but I don't like George Clooney. I know Millie, and I don't like him either. He's ugly. Yes, he's very ugly and Millie bursts out laughing. Back to the past. Things were very different then, okay? When Grace first told Millie that she was marrying Jack, Millie was over the moon. She had always wanted to be a bridesmaid. Which, side note, if you're wondering, Jack and Grace did eventually have sex just one time before their wedding, and Jack was busy working on this new high-profile case he signed. A rich, wealthy philanthropist, Mr. Thompson, Anthony Thompson, was accused of domestic violence by his socialite wife. It was a huge deal. The rich husband had a squeaky clean record. It was going to be a tough fight. But Jack was in the office late, fighting it out. He was falling asleep after their dates, like he was pouring his heart and soul into this case. But he did remember that they wanted to jump that hurdle before walking down the aisle, and Grace said it was beautiful. It's like the best sex of their life. Yeah. So anyways, Grace was ready to show Jack her wedding present to him. A large, beautiful, abstract painting. It had tiny shades of red with tiny spots of silver running through it. From afar, it looked abstract. But when you looked closely, it looked like a bunch of fireflies, right? And each firefly was not made from paint, but lipstick. The painting was done by Grace kissing the canvas over and over, and then sealing the whole thing with clear varnish. Jack was shocked, like he never knew that Grace could paint. She never talked about it, but he was taken. He said that he would hang it above their fireplace when they moved in, and he wanted her to promise to cover all the walls of their house in her work. Which, speaking of, the new house was um, 
ready to go and Jack had paid for the whole thing. It was like a wedding present. Grace didn't even know how much a house like that would cost, probably in the millions. So um, as her gift, Grace gave all the proceeds of the sale to her apartment to Jack to help furnish the house. She trusted his taste, you know, so they could get all the furnishings and that was her gift. He didn't want to take it, but she persuaded him to. And Jack cannot be outdone, so he gives her another present, okay? He's like, before we get married, I have another wedding present. It's super small. And it's inside this box. Here, open it. Grace is worried. So she slowly undoes it and she hears like moving around. Oh my God, it's a bomb. No, I'm kidding. She opens it up and it's a three month old Labrador puppy. Oh my God, she's adorable. Where did you get her? Is she yours? No, Grace, she's ours. Something to keep you busy. I know that you were worried about having nothing to do all of a sudden when you quit your job, so this is gonna give you a lot of things to do. Wait, what about our honeymoon to Thailand? Where is, where is the puppy gonna be? Don't worry, I've already arranged for a housekeeper to watch over the house and to keep Molly safe while we're gone. Molly? Oh, if you don't like the name, we can name her something else. I just thought it sounded really cute, Millie and Molly. Millie, Molly. No, it's perfect. Thank you, Jack. Millie always wanted a dog. She's gonna love her. And do you? Do you love her? <laughs> of course. Oh my god, I already do. No, I'm already sad that we're leaving for our honeymoon. I literally love this dog already. Yeah, but just think about how happy you're gonna be when you see Molly again, when we get back. I can already picture the reunion. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jack. I, I can't wait to see the house and I can't wait to be married to you. And I can't wait for this new life together. Neither can I. So the day of the wedding rolls around. Grace and Millie are getting ready in the bride's room and Millie is like bubbling with anticipation in her bridesmaid dress. And they're waiting, waiting to be transported to the venue by the chauffeur and there's a knock on the door. It was Jack. No, he's not supposed to see the, you know, the bride because it's very much bad luck, but he couldn't resist. He had a gift. He, he had forgotten and he had run to the safety deposit box earlier today to get it, but his mom had passed and she had some jewelry and he wanted Millie and Grace to wear it today, if they wanted, if they didn't mind. It was a beautiful gesture. So they wore these pearl earrings and these pearl necklaces that belonged to Jack's mom before she passed and it was just really cute. They all get into the car and they're heading to the wedding venue and um, everybody is out there waiting, dressed to the nines, right? It was an incredible view, the English countryside. It felt like a James Bond movie, like life felt too good to be true. Grace's parents were there too and Jack, without urging from Grace, reminded them that Millie would be taken care of. So don't ever worry. He's not only gonna take care of Grace from now on, but Millie too, and you guys can go retire in New Zealand You know, next week. I know you guys had plans to move and just be at peace. They all smiled and each person grabbed a pair. So Grace and her father start walking up the long steps up to the estate. Uncle Leonard and Grace's mom and all the other couples and at the end was Millie and Jack. And near the top of the staircase, a scream pierces through the air. Grace looks back. Millie had tumbled down the steps. 
and she screams and runs as fast as she can down the freaking stairs in her tight wedding dress, pushing through the guests, just trying to get to Millie, doesn't care if her dress is getting dirty, nothing. Like, all she cares about is Millie. Millie is in and out of consciousness. The commotion caused all the wedding guests to come out of the country estate, and there was Adam. He's checking for Millie's pulse. It's okay, Grace. She's breathing. Diane, sweetie, call for an ambulance. Oh my god, oh my god, what happened? And Grace looks up to see Jack, and his face is twisted in pain. Grace, I'm so sorry. She suddenly stumbled, and I think her heel got caught in the hem of her dress, and before I knew what was happening, she was falling, and I tried to grab her, and I couldn't reach her. It, it's okay. It's not your fault. I know, but I should have held on to her more tightly. I should have remembered steps aren't easy for her. Grace's dad chimed in. Her leg looks broken. Oh my god, oh my god. The ambulance comes. Grace is trying to weasel her way in, but her parents stop her. Grace, it's the big day. We're gonna take Millie to the hospital. It's fine. The, you, there's nothing you can do. You're not a doctor anyway. You stay here, you get married. Grace is like, I can't get married without Millie. Of course you can. She's going to be okay. And she looks back and Jack is looking like his heart has been ripped out. All the other wedding guests are kind of nervous. They don't know what's going on. Grace looks around and Jack tells her, I, I, we can call it off. I totally get it if you're upset with me right now. I wish I could have just grabbed her in time. <sighs> no, it's okay. I mean, people are busy. We can't ask them to come back out to the countryside again. It's okay. Let's get married. It's what Millie would have wanted. Everyone would have had a blast. Grace pretended she was having a blast, but honestly, it was hard to think about anybody else but Millie and how she was going to explain to Millie that they had to get married. Millie was going to be disappointed. She literally dreamed about being a bridesmaid, and now she would feel so hurt that Grace still had the wedding without her. She wouldn't understand. So afterwards, Grace and Jack went back to the hotel that they had booked, and immediately Grace draws herself a hot bath, leaving Jack in the room to pour himself a whiskey. It had been a long day. After Grace is able to decompress, she gets out of the bath, puts on a cream silk lingerie set that she had packed for their little nasty wedding night, goes out into the room, and Jack is gone. Back to present day. On the way home from seeing Millie, Grace tells Jack that she has to come up with some sort of excuse to tell Diane about missing yet another date. Actually, I think you should go. Grace is not going to get excited. He says this all the freaking time and he doesn't mean it, okay? I'm serious. You've already canceled twice, Grace. Grace wishes she could roll her eyes, but she stays put. He's just trying to get her hopes up. That's what he does. He says, oh, you can go. Let me take you. But then when Friday rolls around, he's going to tell her to put on her prettiest dress and then um, not take her there. Yeah. Her mind is racing, but um, she just stays put. Even on the car, on the way to the restaurant, so now we're fast forward to Friday, Grace is trying not to get her hopes up. So they're going yeah but he's he does this all the time sometimes he drives to the restaurant and then you turns laughing at her face what yeah but um they get to the restaurant and they park and she starts plotting she starts plotting for this might be the only chance that she gets it's only when that it's only when he parks the car she realizes how dumb that she's been of course he's freaking joining her Diane and Esther are already sitting down waiting for her when the angels walk over and Jack's hand is firmly on Grace's back. They look a little bit surprised that Jack is here, but he plays it off. Oh, Jack, so nice of you to come say hello. Is it your lunch hour? 
Actually, I worked from home this morning and I don't have to be in till the office till later. I was hoping you guys would let me crash in exchange of me treating you, of course. Of course, Jack, you can join us anytime. Our pleasure. Esther does not seem as excited as Diane. Oh, except now we won't be able to talk about you. <laughs> I'm sure you have far more interesting things to talk about than me. Esther, don't say that. Besides, you know Grace would only say nice things about Jack, so it would have been boring anyway. Really? I'm sure she would be able to find a few little imperfections, wouldn't you, Grace? Oh, I doubt it. Oh, come on. He can't be perfect. There must be something. Mm, no. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I can't think of anything unless... Buying me too many flowers counts, or sometimes it's hard to find enough vases to put them all in, you know? <laughs> well, maybe it's because you don't have kids yet. Romance goes out the door when the babies come in. Do you guys, did you guys live together long before you were married? Oh, um, we didn't have time to live together, isn't that right, Grace? We got married less than six months after we met. Wow, very quick. Well, once I knew Grace was the one for me, there wasn't any point in hanging around. And Grace, you didn't find any skeletons in his closet once you were married? Not a single one, Esther. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. They all open up their menus as if on cue and they start ordering. Grace is going on and on about the filet mignon, the fries, the dessert, everything. And the lunch is shockingly normal. Esther even mentions a new bestseller book that just came out, um, written by Stephanie Sue. <laughs> Did you guys read it yet? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and Grace is like, oh, no, not yet, not yet. Would you like me to lend you a copy, Grace? Oh, yeah, that'd be perfect. Thank you. And Grace is like, fuck, why did I just say that? Great, I will um, drop it off around this afternoon. And, uh, oh, uh, you know, Esther, you might have to leave it in the letterbox if I'm in the garden, which if I'm in the garden, I probably won't even be able to hear the bell ring. And Jack butts in and says, you know what, there's no need for the drive, Esther. Grace and I can pop over to the bookstore right down there and pick up a copy before we head home. No, it's really no problem, Jack, Grace. No, no, it's fine. We insist. We can go pick up a copy. Esther graciously ignores Jack and starts talking about the food. It's so good, no? It's, wow, everything I heard, everything here is so good. Then near the end, the conversation turns to Millie once again. There's really not much to talk about between these four, if I'm being honest. Esther initiates the conversation. Millie must be so excited to come live with you guys. And Jack says, and we are looking forward to it too. What does she think of the house? Uh, um, she hasn't seen it yet. Didn't you guys move in like a year ago? Yes, but we wanted everything to be perfect before she sees it. Her um, room isn't finished yet, but I am having so much fun doing it up. Aren't I, darling, Jack? Oh, what color is it going to be? And Jack has this beaming smile on his face. Red. It'll be red, her favorite color. Eat up, darling. The chocolate fudge looks delicious. What? I thought the color is yellow. Grace picks up her spoon, but she feels nauseous. And it seems like Esther notices. She offers to eat some of the fudge. And before they get the check, Esther offers to drive Grace back home so that Jack can just head into the office. But he insists. He refuses. It's okay, Jack. I can just take her home. It's no big deal. It's on the way. Well, that's very kind of you, Esther. But truly, there are some documents I need to pick up before seeing one of my clients later. And, you know, it's a shame I didn't bring them with me because I would absolutely let you take Grace home with pleasure. Another time then, I'm sure.
Grace, perhaps we could exchange telephone numbers? Um, can I get your number? Okay, and now can I get your cell phone number? You don't have a cell phone? Why not? Because I don't need one. <laughs> Everyone over the age of 10 and under the age of 81 has one. Yeah, but not me though. Diane Butson, it's incredible, it is. Okay, I tried to persuade Grace to get one, but she is not interested. It's weird. Is Diane, is she clueless or she's just... Kind of just clueless. Oh, okay. <laughs> How on earth does anybody get a hold of you then when you're out and about? I don't know, I guess they don't. Which honestly, when you think about it, is kind of good. I can't go anywhere without Adam and the kids blowing up my phone. <sighs> thinking that Grace is onto something here. It <laughs> <laughs> weird. But what if you have a problem or something? People managed fine before without cell phones, and I'm doing okay. Esther tells Jack, like, you need to get her a phone, but he just blows her off and says, even if I did, Esther, she would never use it. Well, please tell me you have a computer. Oh, of course I have a computer. Okay. Without Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get your email then. Okay, it's jackangel at court.com. <laughs> Isn't that Jack's email? And it is mine too. <laughs> don't you have your own? What for? Jack and I don't have any secrets from each other and if people email me, it's usually to invite us to some sort of dinner or some sort of function, so it, so it concerns Jack as well. It's just easier if we both see the emails. <sighs> you guys are joined at the hip, aren't you? Well, I suppose if you don't have a phone, I c you can resort to writing my phone number down on pen and paper. Give a pen. Grace knows she doesn't have a pen, but she pretends to grab for her purse anyway. But Esther grabs it for her and hands it to her. My goodness, it feels empty. Oh, I, I travel light. She opens it up. No, sorry, no purse. And Jack no is- No purse? Oh, no pen. And Jack is starting to feel uncomfortable. It's okay, Esther, if, we gotta get going. If you give me your number, I'll put it into my phone and I'll give it to Grace, okay? When we get home, how about that? As Esther tells Jack her phone number, Grace closes her eyes and tries her best to memorize every single part of it. Oh she gets gosh. the first three and the middle three, but the last four, she couldn't get it. She starts panicking. And she opens her eyes looking disappointed. And Esther is looking at her curiously. And Esther says, wait a minute, is it 721 or 712 in the middle. I can never remember which one it is. The end is easy. It's 9146, easy peasy 9146. But the middle, oh, Diane, can you, do you mind checking me for my number? Sure. It is 712. Right. So then that would mean it's, okay, let me just make sure you have the right number, Jack. It's 0751 is that correct, Jack? Yeah, it's correct. Anybody want coffee or are we good to go? Everybody says their goodbyes and heads home. And when they're out of earshot, Jack starts going in on Grace. Well, did you enjoy that, my perfect little wife? Not really. Not even dessert that Esther helped you finish? Yeah, well, I wouldn't have eaten it anyway. And deprived me of so much pleasure. Absolutely. 
Do I detect a renewal in your fighting spirit? I'm so glad to tell you the truth. I have been getting so bored. Bring it on, Grace. I have been waiting. Back to the past. Back to wedding night. Jack is no longer in the hotel room. It's completely empty. And at first, Grace thinks, oh, he probably got some sort of work phone call, right? But he just, she just has this prickling anxiety. There's like so much anxiety going on. She's been worried about Millie's health, but also Millie's anger. And when she realizes that they've gone through with the wedding, Grace can't help but feel like everything is falling apart. She feels panicked. It was supposed to be the best night of her life. And she just feels really anxious, okay? She digs out her cell phone from her suitcase and calls her parents. And they tell her everything is fine, Millie is fine, they put her on painkillers, she's fast asleep, there's no need for you to worry, just enjoy your honeymoon. Then she calls Jack, gets voicemail. And she just feels this like pang of anxiety when it gets voicemail. And she admits she probably shouldn't have left an emotional voicemail, but she did. Jack, where on earth are you? Can you please call me back? Honestly, not that emotional. I leave that voicemail every day and we live in the same house and like, I know he's home. And he's like, hello, can you call me back? Grace tries to relax, but it's 9 p.m. Like usually he doesn't have work this late, right? So she starts pacing the room and ends up leaving another worried voicemail. This time it's a bit more mean. Jack, please call me back. Grace hurriedly puts on her clothes, goes to the lobby looking for Jack, goes to the hotel bar, goes to the parking lot. He's freaking gone. She's like on the verge of tears for some reason. Like everything just, you know, it's really not a big deal. And I don't think Grace is like one of those people that's like, oh my God, where is my little husband? But it's just, you know, so much anxiety. You know, wedding night too. It's like stressful. Right? Yeah. And then like the whole wedding, she had to put on this fake facade of being happy when the whole time she was just stressed about Millie. Yeah. It's just not good. So, you know, she called him again, letting him know that if he didn't respond in the next 10 minutes, she was going to be calling the police. It was the longest 10 minutes of her life. But she finally gets a text back from Jack and her eyes are flooded with tears. Honestly, she didn't even read the text message because she was so glad that he had texted her back. Like all the anxiety washed away. All of it from the whole day. At least she knew that he was safe. She already knew what the message was going to say. He was gone for work. He's so sorry. He's going to be back soon. Maybe 30 minutes. Like just stay put. Order room service. But when she dried her tears, looked down at her phone, she had to reread the message a million times. It read, don't be so hysterical. It doesn't suit you. Something's come up. I'll see you in the morning. What? Grace was confused. She read it over and over and over again because it sounded so scathing. Like he had never written or talked like that before in the entire span that they had been dating. What? She felt like she had just been slapped in the face. And also tomorrow, this is their wedding night. Surely he should have apologized if something's come up and like, what could that something be? What is more important than their wedding night? If it was that important, he would have told her, no? Yeah. Grace thought about calling her closest two friends, but honestly, they weren't even that close anymore. Like, yeah, they were at the wedding, but once she started dating Jack, she really didn't see them as often. You know what happens when you get into relationships. She was so occupied with his flowers and his loving words, and she just felt so alone. And she's not close with her parents enough. So she just laid there crying, and she tried to reason. Maybe it was an important work thing, and maybe the text message was not as mean when you said it in the out loud like don't be so hysterical it's okay like you know it's fine no i feel like i'd still be mad at that yeah grace felt a little bit better and she fell asleep it never occurred to her that jack might be spending the night with another woman 
until the next morning she woke up at 8 a.m. and he still wasn't there. She called, no answer. She didn't leave a voicemail this time. So she sat there worrying, like, we gotta go on our honeymoon today. We gotta go visit Millie before we head to the airport. Like, all these things are going on. Where the fuck is he? Why is he not apologizing? And then all of a sudden she gets a text. Meet me at the hotel parking lot at 11. She wanted to vomit. The man she married seemed so far away. She waited out in the freezing cold until 11.30. He pulled up in the car. Grace was on the verge of tears. He got out, put her stuff in the trunk, and told her, get in. And the first few minutes of the car ride were in silence. Like, what is going on, Jack? For God's sake, what the hell is going on? Oh, please don't swear. What do you expect? You disappear without a word. You leave me to spend our wedding night alone, and then you come home 30 minutes late to fetch me, leaving me waiting in the freezing cold. Surely, I have the right to be angry. No, you don't. Don't be ridiculous. Is there somebody else, Jack? Like, is that what this is about? Are you in love with somebody else? Where were you last night? Now it's you who's being ridiculous. You're my wife, Grace. Why would I need somebody else? I don't understand. Is there some problem at work? Like something you can't tell me about? I'll explain everything once we're in Thailand. Well, why can't you tell me now? Just tell me what's wrong. In Thailand. Grace was on the verge of tears again, but she tried to focus on the fact that they were going to Thailand and she was going to get some answers and things were going to go back to normal. She realized when she looked out the window, she was too busy fighting about all of this, that they were close to the airport. And she's like, wait, what about Millie? We were supposed to go see Millie before we leave. Afraid it's too late. We should have exited miles back. I told you in the, uh, the message that we have to stop by the hospital. Well, you didn't mention it when you got into the car. I thought you changed your mind and we don't have time anyway. But our flight is until this afternoon. I told her. I promised her. I don't remember promising her. I promised her when she was in the ambulance. Well, she was like half conscious. She won't remember. I, I told my parents. They probably told her when she woke up. Please, you have to turn back. I have to go say bye. It's out of the question, I'm afraid. Grace kept arguing, and Jack pulled over to the side of the road. Grace was finally bursting into tears. Like, this is the first time that she had ever cried in front of Jack. She thought this was all a nightmare. He would turn around, head to the hospital, and there was, that was that, like he was gonna go back to normal. But in Jack's eyes, there was no compassion, nothing. Listen to me, Grace. If you wanna go and see Millie, you can. You can get out the car and take a taxi to the hospital, but I'm going to the airport. And if you choose to go to the hospital, you won't be coming to Thailand with me. Simple as that. I don't believe you. You wouldn't make me choose between you and Millie, not if you loved me. But that's exactly what I'm doing, Grace. How can I choose? I love you both. It saddens me that you're making such a song and dance about this, Grace. It should be simple. Are you really going to throw away our marriage simply because I refuse to turn back and see Millie when we're already well on our way to the airport? Is that how little I mean to you? No, of course not. And don't you think I've been very generous in the past, never complaining about all the time that we spend together with Millie every single weekend? Yeah. So what's it to, what's it gonna be, Grace? The airport, the hospital, your husband, your sister, me or Millie? Wow, guilt tripping at its finest. Yeah. Holy cow. You, Jack. You. Good. Now give me your passport. Okay. Let's go. Despite everything, Grace hoped that this was all a test. Maybe it was a lot of time with Millie. Maybe he just wanted her to choose him one time and he would know that she also valued him as a very important person in her life. I don't know, that's what she hoped. But in the back of her mind, there was a gut feeling that she should demand that he pull over and get out and run away as fast as possible. She was terrified. 
Really quick question. What's the first thing you do when you wake up? Do you check your credit score first thing in the morning? Probably not. I don't think that's what anybody does because that would be a very boring morning. So leave it to Chime with their secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card to do all the boring stuff. You can start to build your credit with your own money. Chime reports your payments to credit bureaus to help you build your credit over time. Their members see an increase of 30 points on average and all of this with no annual fees, large security deposits, or credit checks apply. So start your credit journey with Chime. Sign up only takes two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at chime.com slash baking. That's chime.com slash baking. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Stride Bank NA pursuant to a license from Visa USA Chime checking account and $200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply for the secure Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Regular on-time payment history can have a positive impact on your credit score. Impact to score may vary and some user scores may not improve. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Accept at money pass ATMs in a 7-Eleven or any all-point or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. So they get to the airport, Grace calls Millie and says sorry for not visiting and she tries to sound excited about their honeymoon. But it was just, she couldn't help feel like she's making the biggest mistake of her life. When they get to the hotel, honestly Grace was expecting the best resort in the entire country because that's what Jack was talking about the whole time. But um, it's just a regular resort, which honestly was so small that Jack could barely use the shower without crouching and squeezing in. And Grace is like, surely we can do better than this, Jack. You can't even shower well. It's time to wake up, Grace. And then it clicked. All the weird energy, the look on his face. Oh my god, he probably lost his job on their wedding night. <laughs> and so... But she's like, wait, what happened? The dream is over, Grace. It's, it's okay. Jack, we will manage. Like, I'll make it work. What are you talking about, Grace? I'm sure you'll find another job or set up your own practice if you wanted. And if things don't go well, I could go back to work. <laughs> I haven't lost my job, Grace. Then what is this all about? You should have chosen Millie. You really should have. What do you mean? What's going on? Why are you being like this? Do you realize that you just sold your soul to me and Millie's soul for that matter? Oof, especially Millie's. What are you talking about? Stop playing games. Just tell me what's wrong. It's not a game. It's too late. I don't get it. Exactly what I told you. You and Millie. You sold your souls to me. Well, you're going to have neither of us, Jack, because I'm going back to London if you keep this up. And how are you going to get back to London? I have your passport. Give it to me. No. Besides, even if I did, how would you get back to England with no money? I have money. I'm afraid not. Not anymore. Grace starts digging through her purse and her phone and her wallet are nowhere to be found. You're also not going to find them anywhere in this room, so you're wasting your time. Do you really think you can keep me prisoner here? You're wasting your time. Well, that's where Millie comes in. What? Put it this way, what do you think will happen to her if I stop paying her school tuition fees? An asylum, perhaps? I can just pay her tuition fees. I have money saved up from the sale of the I don't have that because I gave that to you for furniture, but I can just go back to work. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I will sue you for the rest of my money back. No, you won't. For a start, you won't be going back to work. <laughs> okay, you can't stop me. This is the 21st century. This is all in your head you're sick and twisted do you really think i'm gonna stay married to someone like you yeah because you have no choice why don't you sit down and i'll tell you why i'm not interested 
give me my stuff back. I'm going back and we can just tell everyone that we realized it wasn't meant to be and we've decided to annul our marriage. It's very generous of you, but the trouble is, I never make mistakes. I never have and I never will. And I'll tell you what, if you sit down, I will explain everything to you, just as I said that I would. And afterwards, when you've heard everything, you can still leave if you want. Okay, talk. But before we begin, just so you know how serious I am, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. There is no housekeeper. So when we get- Psychopath, okay. <laughs> okay, psychopath. <laughs> Back to present time. When they get back from lunch with Diana and Esther, Grace goes up to her room as she always does, and she hears the click. It is a routine at this point, the whirring of the shutters as they come down, and then the sound of the car as he leaves. Anytime Jack leaves the house, Grace feels a pang of anxiety. Today it's not that bad because she's already eaten, but one time he didn't come back for three days, and she was all but ready to eat the soap in the bathroom. She looks around the tiny room that has been her home for the past six months, and it's not much. It's a bed, a barred window, another door that leads to a small bathroom, a toilet, shower, sink, tiny piece of soap, and a towel. That's all there is. There is no book, no paper, no pen, nothing to distract Grace. Every single inch of the room, Grace has already studied because maybe, just maybe, there was some sort of escape that she hadn't seen yet. But nope, nothing. Today she wishes that Jack dies in a car accident. But, uh... Actually, maybe not tonight. Maybe on the way home from work. June. Or, no, just before Millie comes to live with them. I don't know. She just wants him to die before Millie comes, before it's too late. He thinks Grace has given up, that she's passive now. But the whole thing is, she's looking for an opportunity. She thought maybe it was today, at the lunch with the girls, but no. I mean, how could she be so dumb? Of course, he would never let her go alone. Last time Jack forced Grace to get all ready for a lunch date with Diane, drove her halfway, then laughed all the way back home as Grace was forced to call Diane and say that she had a migraine. She wanted to kill him, if she was being honest with you, but she has no unsupervised access to medicine, knives, or any other deadly weapon. If Grace asks for an aspirin for a headache, he brings her one and checks her mouth to make sure that she swallowed it so that she's not stockpiling Advil to fucking kill him one day. She eats all her meals with plastic plates, plastic floors, plastic glass, plastic cups, and when Grace cooks those lavish dinners for their guests, Jack is always there, breathing down her neck, and then he locks away all the knives when they're done. But even if Grace killed him, where would that leave her? In prison? And then what would happen to Millie? An asylum? Foster care? Either way, it wasn't good. Every situation never turned out good for Millie. That is why Grace had never mobilized into action, at least not yet. Jack is Grace's jailer, that's what she calls him, making sure she goes nowhere without him, by, his, by her side, not even to the restaurant bathroom. Jack thinks if he loses sight of Grace for 0.2 seconds, she would use that as an opportunity to tell everyone in earshot about what was happening. But Grace would never, because of Millie. Last time she tried to escape and get help, it didn't work. The next time she did, she had to make sure it a thousand percent would work. I mean, it's just hard when Jack is more credible than you. Trust me, Grace has tried multiple times, and Jack played it off as Grace being this mad woman that strikes again, and in the end, he gets sympathy for being a patient, loving, caring husband who takes care of a mentally unhinged woman. When he could be with any supermodel he wanted, really. But instead, he chose to, oh no, be with this woman. Everything Jack says is to torture Grace, literally everything. At the dinner party when he said he fell in love with when he fell in love with Grace because she would do anything for Millie, that was torture. When he said Millie's room was going to be red, well, you'll see what that means. 
but it was to scare Grace and torture her in front of Diane and Esther. Then the noise. The car was pulling up. Grace had gotten so good at listening to things through the walls, she would literally pinpoint how many steps it took Jack from to the garage door to the kitchen every single night where he would pour himself a glass of whiskey, then he would walk into his study. Sometimes she hears him bringing food for her, but sometimes he doesn't. There's no regularity with meals. There's literally no routine in her life. Sometimes dinner is a bowl of cereal. Sometimes it's a can of spaghetti. Sometimes it's a three-course meal with a glass of wine. Why? Because Jack said there is nothing more comforting than a routine. So he's going to deprive her of one. But Grace is thankful because if there's no routine, that means Grace doesn't get too comfortable. She doesn't get institutionalized. She has to think for herself. She has to keep constantly thinking about her next meal. And then clink. The door opens. He's back from work. And that key, that key that Jack has there, and he's in the doorway. And there is just the psychopathic husband. We received an email from Millie's school saying that they would like to speak to us. What could they possibly want to talk to us about? I wonder. I have no idea. Well, we'll just have to go and find out, won't we? Janice already told Mrs. Goodrich we plan to visit this Sunday and we should get there early for a little chat. I'm sure it's going to be fine. Yeah, it better be. And with that, he gets and leaves. Grace falls back into bed, angry. She hates that Jack is so damn clever, so damn smart. Every little thing that she has ever told him, he had used it against her. She told him that her parents never wanted Millie, that they were counting down the days of going to New Zealand, that they never were meant to be parents, they didn't want to be around them. Yeah, well, remember the weekend that he asked to go see her parents? It wasn't just to ask Grace's dad for his blessing in marriage, but it was to lie to her parents on the side and tell them, you know, Grace has been talking about sending you guys to New Zealand and maybe sending Millie with you. You guys should go now before she changes her mind about taking care of Millie. Effectively, cutting Grace off from any people that could have helped her. And if you're wondering why Grace doesn't just say something at the meeting with Mrs. Goodrich, well, she knows Jack will be expecting it. He's going to have a plan in place. He's probably planning her downfall right now. Not only will Grace end up humiliating herself, but Jack will win and he will get his revenge. Besides, fear is the best deterrent of all, and Jack knows that. Back to the past. Grace is sitting on the edge of the Thailand hotel bed. What do you mean? Exactly what I said. There is no housekeeper. Do you want to hear a story? about a young boy. Yeah, if it means that you'll let me leave, yeah, fine. Good. There once was a young boy who lived far, far away from, from here. He lived with his mother and father, and when he was young, the boy feared the strong and powerful father and loved the mother. But when he saw the mother was weak and useless and unable to protect him from the father, the boy began to despise her, and he rejoiced in the look of terror in her eyes as the father dragged her down to the cellar to be with the rats. The knowledge that the father could instill such terror into another human being that is what turned the boy's fear of him into ad admiration. And soon he wanted to be just like his father. The sound of his mother's screams coming up from the floorboards became music to his ears. The smell of her fear, the richest perfume, it was strong. He started to crave it so much that when his father left him in charge, the boy would take the mother down to the cellar and her pleas for mercy as she begged him not to leave her, they were only more exciting. And afterwards, he drank in the sound of her fear. And he just wanted to keep her locked up for eternity. 
And one night when the boy was about 13 years old, the mom escaped and the father was at work. But the boy knew if the mother left, he would never hear the sound of her fear again. So he hit her to stop her from leaving. She screamed and he hit her again and again. And the more she screamed, he couldn't stop hitting her. And she fell to the ground and the boy stood there, looked over at her and smashed her bloodied face in. He thought she had never looked more beautiful. Father came home, tried to, tried to save mother, but it was too late. She was already dead. The father hit the boy in anger, and the boy hit the father back for the first time. And when the police came, the boy told them that the father had killed the mother. And he was just trying to protect the mom. The father was dragged to prison, and the boy was glad. As he grew older, he began to crave someone of his own, someone he could instill fear into whenever he wanted. However, he wanted someone he could keep hidden away, you know, someone that nobody would ever miss. He knew it's not easy to find someone like that. It's hard, but he was convinced if he waited long enough, he spent his whole life looking, someone would present themselves, someone to satisfy his cravings. So you know what he did? No. He became a lawyer specializing in cases of domestic violence. And then he married you, Grace. Grace felt the wind being knocked out of her. She felt like she could hardly breathe. I mean, she could follow the story, but she didn't think, like, there's no way that he's the boy in this story. Like, this is not true, right? But he seemed so pleased with himself. Did you enjoy the story? No, but I listened to it, so can I go now? I'm afraid not. But you promised. Oh, did I? Please just let me go. I'm not going to tell anyone what you said. I, I promise. Of course you would. The thing is, Grace, I can't let you go because I need you. Don't worry. I'm not going to hurt you. That's not why you're here. Let's go back to the short story, shall we? So while I was pretending to be a man of respectability, I was looking for someone of my own to torture. I even made um, my name from scratch, Angel. It sounds perfect, right? Like a guardian angel, trustable, too good. And Jack. Jack is a nice, convenient name. Jack Angel. I know, the irony never ceases to amaze me. Jack Angel, defender of battered woman. <laughs> but I also needed a perfect, a perfect life. When a man gets to 40 with no sign of a wife, people start to wonder if something's wrong with him. So when I saw you and Millie at the park, you were perfect. My perfect wife and my perfect little, nope, never, absolutely not. I will never be your perfect wife. If you think I'm gonna stay married to you after what you just told me and have your children, Children! Grace, I, I never wanted children. Having sex with you was the hardest thing that I have ever done. How could you not have realized all the excuses I was making? You didn't feel when we finally did it, it felt unnatural? That's why I disappeared on our wedding night. The thought of having sex again just to keep up appearances repulsed me. So anyway, when we get back, we are gonna nicely tell everyone that we are having problems conceiving and nobody will ask questions because it's a sensitive subject. Besides, Grace, you're not my reward. Millie is. Millie? Yes, Millie. She fits my needs perfectly. In another 16 months, she will be mine, and I will finally have what I have been denying myself for so long. And nobody, well, maybe just you, will miss Millie. Not that I intend to kill her. I already made that mistake before. I'm not going to do it again. Do you honestly think that I would let you harm my little hair on Millie's head? If I really wanted to, do you honestly think you could stop me, Grace? Grace tries to run for the door, but it was locked. She starts banging on it, screaming, help, help. Do that one more time and you will never see Millie again. Come back and sit down. Remember what I said about putting Millie in an asylum? Do you know how easily I can arrange that? My parents would never let that happen. Oh, because your parents are just rushing over from their cozy retirement in New Zealand to rescue her. 
Live with her? I think not. There is no one, Grace, to save Millie, not even you. I am her legal guardian. So am I. I have the paper to prove it, remember? But what if you, my beautiful wife, were proved to be unsound mind? As your husband, that would make me responsible for you and Millie. So go ahead, keep banging on the doors, do it. It lays the foundation for your madness. You're the one that's fucking mad. Obviously. I'm gonna give you time to think about what's happened, and when I come back, we can talk again. Well, you're not gonna keep me locked up in here. I just don't wanna have to hurt you, okay? For the simple reason that I might not stop if I start. And if you die, where would that leave Millie? And with that, he leaves the room. Okay, slams the door shut behind him. Grace immediately jumps up, starts hammering on the door, banging on it, begging to be let out. She could hear him walking down the hall, leaving to do God knows what. She bangs and screams, and then she exhausts herself, falls to her knees, starts sobbing, and then ends up taking a fucking nap, dude. I'm not even lying to you, okay? She ends up taking a freaking full nap. Then she wakes up and is like, oh my god, I can't believe I knocked out an exhaustion. She runs back to the door and she's like banging, going through her suitcase, looking for everything. Nothing is in there. Her phone, her passport, nothing, right? She's freaking the fork out. <sighs> so she grabs her purse and starts banging on the door. And then instinctively, she like tugs on it and it's uh -huh. unlocked. He never locked the door. She hadn't heard him. He never said he was going to lock the door either. She just assumed it. He never, yeah, she just assumed it. What? Yeah, so now she's like, am I, like, I think it's going to show that domestic violence is like the, you know, the elephant situation? Yeah. Where you chain an elephant up and then even when you unchain the elephant later, they still think they're chained. So she runs out all the way to the lobby and she's like thinking about how Jack is probably laughing this whole time that the door's not even freaking locked and she's banging on it. But it's fine, it's not too late, she can escape. She runs down into the lobby, there's people buzzing about and instantly she feels so much safer. Like with this many people, nothing can happen. She walks over to the front desk. Good evening, how can I help you? Yes, please, I would like to call the uh, British Embassy. I need to get back to England and I've lost my passport and I've lost all my money. Oh, I'm so sorry. Could I get your room number, please? Ugh, I'm afraid I don't remember. It's on the sixth floor. I'm Grace Angel. I checked in with my husband. Oh, got it. Room 601. And where did you lose your passport? Was it at the airport? <sighs> no, I had it here. I didn't lose it, actually. My husband has it, and he's told me now that I can't go back to England, so I need you to help me. Oh, and where is your husband? I have no idea. He left a while ago. He took my passport and my money with him. Can you just call the British Embassy for me? Sure, if you can just give me a moment while I speak to my manager. The manager was a man that was eyeing Grace up and down suspiciously, and she suddenly felt self-conscious. She hadn't showered or freshened up. Her hair was literally like a rat's nest. She just felt very weird. She was swollen. She was crying. She looked unkept. And now the two were looking at her with very suspicious eyes. Ma'am, would you like to sit down while we figure this out? No, I don't need to sit down. Just can you put the British Embassy on the line and I can talk to them myself? It's all being sorted, Mrs. Angel. Will you please take a seat while waiting? And when Grace turns around, she sees Jack heading straight for her. She starts screaming, help, help, please, this man is dangerous. The once bustling lobby is now silent, staring at her. It's all right, Grace, it's all right. And he smiles at the manager and says, thanks for letting me know she's here. Grace, it's okay, it's okay, I was, I've been looking for you. Why don't we go back to the room and maybe you can take your meds and take a nap and you're going to feel much better well rested. I don't need to sleep, I need to get back to England now. Grace, why do you always have to do this, please? 
I gave you your passport back at the airport, as I always do, and you put it in your bag, as you always do. You know damn well it's not in there. Fine, okay, you know what? Grace takes her purse and shakes it loose. All the contents spill out, including her passport, her phone, and her wallet. He had put it in while she was asleep. A bottle of pills also falls out. What? No, you put these back in there while I was asleep. You replaced them. You made me think that you locked the door and it was... No. But everyone already knew. Even Grace knew that she sounded absolutely hysterical. Okay, that's enough, Grace. You're... You're causing a scene. Um, ma'am, would you like a glass of water? No, I want you to call the police. This man is a dangerous criminal. You have to believe me, he killed his own mother. Please, just fucking call the police. This is exactly what I was warning you guys about. Um, it's not the first time, unfortunately. Come on, Grace, let's just go back to the room. I'm exhausted, I've been looking for you everywhere. Will you please just call the police? I'm telling the truth. Okay, like Grace, if you want to call the police, go ahead. Do you remember what happened last time? You couldn't leave the country until they investigated your claims, and then when they realized that they were on a wild goose chase, they threatened to sue you for wasting police time and resources, and that was in America. I don't think the police in Thailand are going to be as accommodating. But be my guest, Grace, call the police. What last time are you talking about? The manager jumped in. I really wouldn't advise you involve the police unless, of course, there's very good reason to. Yes, there's very good reason to! This man is dangerous! Okay, we're doing this, aren't we? We're doing this. Um, do you guys mind calling my wife a taxi for the airport or something if she wants to go home? Maybe we can go upstairs and help her pack her bags. Yes! Thank you! So the front desk receptionist, Jack and Grace, they now stuff awkwardly into the elevator. And Grace knew that the receptionist didn't think that Jack was dangerous. He had played the role perfectly. He was not he was accommodating enough, like, call the police, Ugh, again, like, I've been looking for you. He already laid the seats. He had come downstairs, have you guys seen my wife? Have you guys seen my wife? Looking distressed. I, I just need to go up there and... Changed into some clean clothes and I won't be long. Just give me a second while I grab my suitcase. Grace changed and um, it worked wonders. She felt mentally and physically refreshed and stronger. But as soon as she was about to walk back into the hallway, she was blocked by an arm and a hand covering her mouth. Did you enjoy that little scenario that I set up for you? Uh, I did. And even better, I've killed two birds with one stone. First and foremost, in front of dozens of people, you have proven yourself to be unstable. The manager of this establishment is right now writing an account of your behavior, so there's a record of it. And secondly, I hope you learned I'm always one step ahead of you. Now, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my hand off your mouth, and if you do so much as whimper, I will force feed you enough pills to kill you and make your death look like some sort of unhinged suicide of an unbalanced young woman. If that happens, I will be Millie's only surviving guardian. And I would, of course, keep the promise that she would live in our beautiful house, except now you won't be there to stop me. And who would be there to protect her? He let go of her mouth. Now listen to me and listen well. Each time you try to escape, whether it's hammering on the doors or the walls or speaking to someone or just straight up trying to make a run for it, it's Millie who's going to pay. For example, we won't go back next weekend to see her when we get back to England. And if you try to escape tomorrow, we won't go back the following week and so on. You'll have the stomach flu or a migraine or we'll come up with whatever f***ing excuse. So if you ever want to see Millie again, I suggest that you do exactly what I say. Grace was shivering. She knew that all of this was well thought out. If Grace didn't come back to get her suitcase, he never would have been able to threaten to kill her. He suggested. 
they come back and get our suitcase. Oh my God, she fell asleep. He never said he locked the door. If she didn't fall asleep, he would have never replaced the passport and phone in her purse. He was always five steps ahead of her. She fell into every single trap. And you're wondering if your outcome would have been different if you had acted differently. Let me put you out of your misery. No, the answer is always no. The outcome will always be the same. And the thing is, I know you, Grace, and I know how you're gonna act. And before we leave Thailand, you're gonna try to escape again, which is foolish, but you're gonna try. But you'll learn in the end, because you have to. I'm never gonna give in to it, so you can try whatever you want. Grace is sobbing now, but Jack doesn't care. He tells her that he's going to apologize to the front desk and Grace should get some sleep because tomorrow is a jam-packed day. Starting off with an apology tour from Grace telling the manager, the front desk receptionist, that she's sorry about her outburst. It's because she didn't take her meds. And Grace decides that night her best chance is to just escape once they get to England. At least she spoke the language, she had the upper hand, right? She just had to get through Thailand. So back to the present, which by the way, do you like the past timeline or the present timeline better? I like the present. Me too. Because past is like kind of predictable. Yeah, because you know where the present is. Yeah, yeah. same. Okay, so back to the present. We're just fast forwarding to when Grace and Jack are heading over to Millie's school to have a word um, with Mrs. Goodrich. And they're both a bit on edge for different reasons. Grace is caring for Millie's well-being and Jack is, I don't know, a twisted son of a bitch. When they get to the office, Mrs. Goodrich and Janice are both there and they're looking super serious. They mention that Millie has been having trouble sleeping and the doctor has prescribed some sleeping pills. Sleeping pills? Yes, to be administered with your permission, of course, as she needs. Grace, I don't have a problem with that as her guardian, do you, darling? If it's in M Millie's best interest. No, no, of course not, but if the doctor thinks she needs them, I just don't particularly want her to become dependent on them. Oh no, it's nothing too strong. They can be bought over the counter. Here's um, the drug for reference. This is the name. Thank you, we will definitely take note of the name if you don't mind. We did administer one last night because she seemed particularly disturbed. I hope that's all right. Yes, of course. You already have my written permission to take any action you see fit in my absence. We were just wondering if maybe her anxiety stems from the fact that she hasn't seen the house yet. Maybe she feels anxiety about the future. I doubt it. I mean, she understands we want her to see it when it's complete rather than covered in dust and ladders and half of it under tarp, unless she mentioned something to you. Yes, and we would be more than happy to let her see the house if it's bothering her that much. The only danger is she'd probably fall in love with it so much that she wouldn't want to leave. Or maybe it's the thought of leaving the school that bothers her. After all, this has been her home for the past seven years. Well, you might be right, Grace, maybe. And she's particularly attached to you, Janice. So maybe if you tell her that you'll continue to keep in touch and visit her once in a while, when she comes to live with us, maybe that would help. What do you think, Janice? If you want, that is. Oh, of course. Millie's become like a little sister to me. Grace feels Jack gripping her hand tightly. Yeah, well, if you can tell her that, um, I'm sure you'll help calm any fears that she may have. Jack smiles, and he understands what Grace just did, and he is not a fan. And they leave the meeting to be greeted by Millie. The first words out of her mouth are, Hotel? Actually, Millie, there's a new restaurant I'd like you to try, but I like the hotel the best. Jack ignores her, and they head to the car. At the restaurant, not at the hotel, <laughs> that Millie loves so much, Jack grills Millie on why she can't sleep. She says that she hears flies buzzing in her head. So the pills help, they make her sleep like a baby. They even gave her permission to carry them with her for whenever she needed. 
And has Molly come back yet? Grace looks away and Jack gently tries to tell her, no, I, she probably will never come back. I bet a little girl fell in love with her so much, found her on the street, and now Molly is living with her from now on. But when you come to live with us, we will get a new dog, a new puppy. Thank you. Millie is over the fucking moon, and Grace just wants to stab Jack in the chest with a steak knife. And Millie says, I need to use the restroom. Grace wants to come? Yes, I need to go as well. Perfect then, we'll all go. And just like that, all three of them find themselves heading to the restaurant toilet. Grace just wants to scream at everyone that her husband is a psychopath and that they're all in danger, but she can't. Not when Millie's life is at stake. If it weren't for Millie, Grace would have already ended her own life. She was sure of it. But Jack made it clear, it's Millie he wants, not Grace. So back to Thailand, we go to the honeymoon. Oh yeah, we're going real bad, like whiplash, bro, okay? Grace is forced to make her rounds of apologies, which is not only humiliating, but infuriating and preventing her from trying to get help again because who's gonna believe her now after she just apologized? Like who? So it's settled, she's gonna go escape in England. Now, after that, they go all around Thailand, taking pictures. Literally, Jack forces Grace to pack a bag of bikinis so she can chase, change into bikini after bikini after bikini on private beaches to take pictures so that they can show friends later. Yeah. He takes her on excursions. He literally takes her out to restaurants just so she can take pictures in front of the food. And it's just, it's a lot. Like, it was really gross. And then when he was out and about and they weren't taking those pictures, Grace would be locked into the balcony and barricaded with furniture. So she would just be forced to sunbathe in the balcony because Jack wanted her to get a natural tan before they come back to the US. And it was kind of sick doing all the pictures. It just, it made her so depressed because that's how she had imagined her real honeymoon to be. Just her reading books on the beach, lounging about with this charismatic man that she fell so in love with, but nope. And every time she brought out those Thailand pictures later on at dinner parties, she just literally wanted to kill herself. It was just so bad. Sometimes at the restaurants, Jack would lean over and say, go on, Grace, tell them that you're being held hostage and I'm a monster and I'm dangerous, a killer, I'm holding you prisoner. But first, why don't you look around this beautiful restaurant, the wonderful food you've been devouring, washing it all down with that nice bottle of wine. Do I look like a monster or a killer? I think not, but if you want to, go ahead. I'm in the mood for some fun. Grace swallowed her tears, tears and reminded herself, just wait till England, just wait till England. But then it dawned on her. In England, Jack was really well connected to the police officers. He worked hand in hand with the DA's office. He worked with powerful judges. Who would believe her if she accused him of being a killer, of killing his own mom? So slowly, Grace felt like maybe the British Embassy in Thailand would be the safest place, rather than the local police in London. Because the British Embassy, at least they have no idea who the fork Jack Angels is and doesn't care about his power or influence. So while Grace was forced out on the balcony, she had heard her neighbors next door and they spoke Spanish and it was a young couple. They sounded nice, right? And they mu listened to music that a lot of young couples would listen to. Young couples would be sympathetic to Grace, especially if there was a girlfriend involved, right? Right? <laughs> So, um, she tried another escape and it didn't work, obviously. The rented room next to her was not a young couple. It was um, a movie that was playing on repeat and it was Jack that opened the door oh in front gosh. of her face. Yeah, in front of her face. And um, he was laughing. You know, I actually expected 
you long before tonight. I've been renting this room for so long. I was beginning to think that I had you wrong. I had almost started to begin believe that you were listening to my warning. But of course, you didn't. I mean, it would have been better if you did, but you didn't. It would have been less fun, though. Wow. Kind of disappointed it took you this long. Anyway, let me guess. You thought there was a couple here that they were going to save you. The girlfriend was going to be sympathetic. Nope, just me. Yeah, just me. Now you know what that means. Two weeks without Millie. Whatever. Do whatever you like. I don't even care anymore. Brave words. I'm sure you don't mean it though. For example, I'm sure you would be distraught if I killed you because it would mean that you would never see Millie again. Well, you're not going to kill me. Listen. She just said it. But she wasn't that confident that he was never going to kill her. You're right. I'm not going to. Not yet anyway. First and foremost, I need you to do for Millie what she can't do for herself. I can't punish you here because there's nothing to deprive you of here. But because you've tried escaping twice, two weeks without Millie when we get back. Two weeks. And of course, what's more is I warned you. You really should have listened to me. So let's go back to the room. I can't believe I rented this room the whole time. I mean, I was watching you while you were out on the balcony this whole time. <laughs> You're going to jail. That grace is never going to happen. And you know why? Because I'm squeaky clean. It was the lowest point in Grace's two-week trip to Thailand. It had been so long, but she fell into his trap. She always would. So to stay hopeful, Grace thought about the ways that she would cause a commotion on the airplane. She would yell on the plane, get everyone's attention, that they would have no choice but to call the police at least, investigate her claims, and yeah, that was the plan. But when they get back to England, Grace tried so hard to talk, but she was so woozy. Even after they deboarded, Grace was plopped down on a wheelchair, attempting to scream and yell, but nothing. Even when she was loaded into Jack's car, nothing, no words came out. She felt trapped inside her own body. Well, he drugged her? Yeah. And then finally, they made it back to the house. She looked out the window and saw two giant black gates in front of a house. Jack pushed a button and both gates swung open. The house was beautiful, but Grace felt like she was hallucinating. I see you're at a loss for words. Thank you would be good. They parked. Jack unceremoniously dragged her out the car and into the house. Welcome home. Hope you'll be very happy here. Now, don't get me wrong, the house was beautiful. There was a staircase, the doors were oak, they had high ceilings, it was incredible. Like, think... Tudor-style brownstone, New York City, mixed with some Parisian. Like, it was beautiful. Very elevated, classy, okay? Succession vibes. I'm sure you want me to show you around, but first, do you miss Molly? Molly? Oh, don't tell me you've already forgotten about her. Oh, my God, where is she? In the utility room downstairs. Oh, but before you go, you better take this. A trash bag? I think you might be needing it. Back to the present. Sundays were always Grace's favorite days because that is the day that she gets to see Millie. If she gets to see Millie, that is. Not every Sunday, clearly, but it's always a Sunday. And on the drive home, Grace feels pensive. You know, things used to be better than they were. Grace was given a nice bedroom. She had books at one point, journals, all sorts of things to keep her entertained. But the more she tried to escape, everything was confiscated. The radio, TV, everything, till she had nothing in her room and she sat dying of boredom every single day. Grace was allowed in her massive closet at one point, so she started to zhuzh up her style and mix and match things, literally because she was so bored. But when Jack noticed that she got some sort of enjoyment out of it, he stripped her of that. He started putting, bringing her clothes every single morning. She would never be able to pick out her clothes anymore. The clothes he brought were already black, 
Always black pajamas every single day. A new pair, but the exact same pair. Her life was meaningless. Jack hasn't harmed her physically yet, but there are so many times that she can see that he's, he wants to. They get home and Grace goes back into the prison and Jack lounges around doing God knows what in his full freedom. And the doorbell rings. Grace sits up, she's listening. They never have unannounced visitors. Who could it be? The doorbell rings once more. Maybe it's Esther. I don't know why Grace has been thinking a lot about Esther. The way she repeated her phone number at the restaurant last week, it was interesting. It felt like she was trying to send a message. Maybe Esther would believe her if she were able to communicate with her about what was going on. Esther rang the doorbell twice and Jack had to pretend like he was not home. There's no third ring, so Grace lays back down feeling depressed. She tries to go back to sleep knowing that Esther's not gonna be the one to save her today. But about an hour later, the first, after the first two rings, Jack opens the door to her room. No tray of food. So that means he's here to play games. I have something for you, Grace. What? A book. Would you like it? Grace would literally die for a book, but she doesn't want to say yes. Depends. On what? I don't know. I guess what it's about. If it's about my life with a psychopath, I think I'd rather not. No, it's actually the one that Esther recommended. And you brought it for me? No, she dropped it off. Under normal circumstances, I would have thrown it straight into the trash, but it came with a very charming invitation to dinner next Sunday with a note about how she can't wait to hear what you think about it. So I suggest you read it by next Saturday. I will try my best. I mean, why, why does he care so much about these dinner parties? But I think he's a narcissist, so he gets off on being like this perfect husband. Like he loves, another thing with Millie is he loves talking about Millie, not only because it tortures Grace, but because he loves getting the affirmations Attention. of people going, you are so selfless, Jack. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Right. And he's like, don't even get smart with me. Finish the book. You've been so good at avoiding punishment. I only need the smallest little excuse. And Jack throws the book on the bed. Grace acts uninterested. But the minute he's down the steps, she lunges for the book. I mean, it has been so long she has had a luxury like this. She wonders if she should even wait before she starts. Wait for like a good occasion or maybe do a chapter a day. But there's the possibility that Jack will take it before she's even had the chance to finish it. So it's settled. She will plop into bed and devour the whole thing. It was the best few hours that she had in a very long time. But about an hour into reading, she starts noticing some things. One of the words, just one word on the page is shaded more than the rest. It looked like someone had used a pencil to darken it ever so lightly. She thought it was a printing error, but she could see it loud and clear, <laughs> which means the other printing errors she saw, she flipped through the pages and it was like a whirlwind. The words started jumping through the pages. Everything is everything all right. Was Esther sending her a message? Is everything all right? Is everything all right? She starts flipping through more. Do you need help? Grace feels alive again, but the feeling quickly dies when she realizes she has no idea how to tell Esther that she's not okay without Jack knowing. Should she shade, yes, get the police into the book when she gives it back? But the police might not even be helpful if they're Jack's friends. Look at what happened in Thailand. Besides, he would never return the book to Esther without checking it first. Which reminds her, he wouldn't have given her the book without thoroughly checking it in the first place, which means he's seen the shading. Oh my God, Esther could be in danger. If Jack thinks that she suspects him, she could be in danger. 
which also means that at the dinner party, Jack is going to be listening to every single word that she says about this book. So if she says something along the lines of, I felt the author was sending a pertinent message, he would know. But at least Esther knew. She saw what everyone else missed. She could see past Jack's facade. But how would she expect Grace to respond to something like that? She starts skimming through the book. More, there's no more messages. And Jack comes in. Finished? Uh, no. I'm actually finding it really hard to get into. It's not normally the type of book I'm into. Well, how far have you gotten? Not very far. Well, just make sure to finish it before the dinner party. It seems like Jack is excited to have Grace dig herself into a hole. But Grace is getting too clever for her own good. Wait. Too clever for her own good. The more Grace thinks about it, the amount of time between the doorbell ringing and Jack bringing her the book, it was long as like an hour. And it hit her. The shading in the book was not Esther. It was Jack. Back to the past. Molly had died of dehydration. Her body hadn't started to decompose in the utility room yet, but she was skeletonized. Jack had, like, in the sense that she was, had no fat on her, she was thin. But she just looked like a very skinny, frail puppy malnourished. Jack had left her just enough water so that she died right before they came back from their honeymoon, and it was vile. Grace will never forget the shock and his excitement when he waited for her reaction. Nothing could have prepared her to see Molly like that. She felt like she was on drugs. She felt like this was a fake universe. She felt so woozy that she knelt down besides Molly and she knew it was real. Like Molly must have died in pain. And it was in that moment Grace vowed to kill Jack and make him suffer. She realized when he said there was no housekeeper, this is what he meant. And she wiped her tears from her eyes. I'm just so glad that you loved Molly. I hoped you, I hoped you would. You see, Grace, it's important that you see how much harder it would be if Millie was lying here rather than Molly. And if Millie was the one that was dead, you would have to take her place. When you think about it, nobody would really miss you. And if anybody asked where you were, I'd say, following the death of her beloved sister, you decided to join your parents in New Zealand. Why can't you just replace Millie anyway? Because she will be so much more fun to terrify. Besides, if I have Millie, I have everything I need right here, and I won't have to go to Thailand anymore. What? I thought you went there to have sex with men. <laughs> what? I could do that here if I wanted to. No, I go there so I can indulge in my greatest passion. Not that I can actually get my hands dirty, you understand? No, my role is that of an observer, a listener. You can buy anything in Thailand, including fear. There's nothing quite like it. I love the way it looks, feels, smells. I love the sound of it. I even love the taste of fear. You know you can taste it. You disgust me. You must be one of the most evil people that has ever lived. And I, I will get you, Jack, I promise. In the end, I will get you. Not if I get Millie first, which I intend to do. So you're gonna kill her? Kill her? What use would she be to me dead? No, I'm gonna scare her a little, over and over again. Now, do you wanna bury the damn dog or shall I dump it in the bin? And that is how Grace found herself carrying Molly's dead body into the backyard, the dream garden that she had wished for, but now it was a nightmare. She buried Molly's body next to the rose bushes, and she felt sick. She threw up everywhere, and Jack was like, come on, you gotta have a better stomach than that. And Grace completely lost her shit. She tried to hit him on the head with a shovel, but he was too strong, and she just went running to the nearest fence on the property, but it was too, too tall to climb. She could see the neighbors, the neighbor's house just had one window looking into their garden, but it was really far. 
It's not a neighbor that was really close by. She tried to escape, it didn't work. And Jack is just listening to her screaming, saying, I take it you're not in a hurry to see Millie. Because uh, two attempts in Thailand and this one, that's uh, three weeks. Try again, you won't see her for another month. Poor Millie, she's gonna think that you've abandoned her now that you're married. Listen, Grace, I've prepared to treat you well, provided that you don't do anything stupid. It's in my best interest. But I will not hesitate to withdraw any of those privileges that I choose to give you. Do you get it? Now, let me show you the rest of the house, and you can shower. Grace was shown the primary suite, which was perfectly beautiful, and Jack even staged it to look like she lived in there, had like a dressing area with a makeup table and just... Ugh, okay disgusting. The bathroom, there was the shower, the wardrobe. I mean, everything she was seeing literally was the drawing from that night, which is kind of crazy that he built the exact house, but then she realized he didn't build the exact house. She didn't even realize at the time, but he had guided her when she was drawing. He was like, what about the study downstairs? We can put it next to the kitchen and do this and that, and ooh, what about a garden with the rose bushes? She was so busy just thinking about the house didn't matter as long as she had Jack and Millie. And then she saw it above the fireplace, her fucking fireflies painting. Spent hours kissing a canvas for the man that she thought she loved and she felt sick to her stomach. And when the tour was done, Grace was locked upstairs in one of the guest rooms. This is where she would be locked up for months with nothing but her thoughts and a bathroom. She did try to escape one more time after being in the house for about 48 hours. So um, yeah, that was a month that she would go without seeing Millie. Grace made another attempt about a month later because a doctor came and um, she tried to tell the doctor that Jack was evil and holding her hostage and the doctor brought up her suicide attempt when Millie was three months old and also the report Wha from the Thailand hotel and how she's unhinged. So everybody was treating her like she was unhinged. So finally, after five long weeks of not seeing Millie, she went to go see Millie, and um, the whole time Jack was breathing down her neck. But the first lunch that they ever went on to, Jack took them to a hotel restaurant, and this was Millie's favorite restaurant. Let me tell you why. Because Millie wanted to be alone with Grace, and Jack never let them be alone. But the hotel restaurant had two, restru two restrooms. Like all the other restaurants that they went to, the restrooms were right next to each other, you know? Uh -huh. But this hotel restaurant had the women's corridor on one end, the men's corridor. It was like a very long hallway on opposite sides of the restaurant. So for Jack to walk to walk them to the bathroom, it was just weird. You know, like he would have to get up and go near the woman's restroom in front of everyone in the restaurant. Nobody liked that. So um, Millie asked Grace to take her to the restroom. Grace did. And finally, they were alone after like five weeks. No, more than that, right? And immediately when the door shut, Millie starts whispering to Grace, 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 Jack is a very bad man. What? He pushed me down the stairs. <gasps> No. Shh, no, Millie. J Jack wouldn't do that. Grace believed Millie, but she needed to make sure that Millie acted like she still liked Jack to his face. He pushed me, Grace, at the wedding, at the house. He pushed me hard like this. He pushed me. He broke my leg. Shh, no, Millie. Ja Jack is a good man. No, he's not. He's a very, very bad man. But you can't say that, Millie. You haven't told anyone, right? What you just told me. You didn't tell anyone? No, you always told me that I should tell you things first. But now I'm going to tell Janice that Jack is a bad, bad man. No, Millie, you can't. You can't tell anyone. Why? Do you not believe me? Millie, let's play a game. Do you remember Rosie, your imaginary friend? Millie had an imaginary friend, Rosie, that she would use as a scapegoat for any mistakes that she made. Yes, I remember. Rosie did all those bad things, not Millie. It wasn't me. Yes, she was very naughty. 
I don't like Rosie. Rosie is bad, just like Jack. But it wasn't Jack that pushed you down the stairs. Then who was it? It was George Clooney. George Clooney? Yes, you don't like him, remember? No, I don't like George Clooney. Well, he was the one that pushed you down the stairs, not Jack. Not Jack? No, because you like Jack very, very much. It's important that you like Jack. George Clooney pushed you down the stairs, okay? Do you understand? You have to understand. Grace, you're scared. Yes, Millie, I'm scared. So please tell me that you like Jack. It's important. I like Jack, and I don't like George Clooney. No, you don't. He's bad. He pushed me down the stairs. Yes, but you can't tell people George Clooney pushed you down the stairs. You can just tell people that you like Jack, but you don't like George Clooney, okay? I get it. Okay, it's our little secret. Don't worry. Millie will help you. And when they get back to the table, Millie beamed at Jack, and before they parted, Millie said, I like you, Jack, but I don't like George Clooney. And he said, that's fine by me. I don't like him either. And Millie couldn't stop laughing. Because George Clooney is Jack. Jack is George Clooney. Now we're back to the present. It's time for the dinner party, hosted by Esther and Rufus. Thankfully, Jack never took the buck away and Grace could finish it in time. Dinners with friends were nice because it was nice for Grace to feel normal once in a while. You get to eat, but it's also safe. But it's also a minefield of dodging pressing questions about why you never leave the fucking house and why you have no phone and things like that. Anyways, Grace gets ready for dinner while Jack watches and wants her to wear the red dress tonight. And when she's done, she picks a bag, passes it to Jack who inspects it. He inspects every single bag to see if she's hidden some paper or a piece of note or something in there. But nope, nothing. It's time to party. Diane and Adam are going to be there, so tonight it's the same six people at the dinner. Conversation flows as usual. And Esther says, you look pensive tonight, Jack. Oh, sorry, was I dozing? Um, it's, I was just thinking about how much I'm looking forward to Millie coming to live with us. Oh, it can't be long now. 75 days. Did you know that, Grace? Just 75 days till Millie moves in into our lovely red room and becomes part of the family. Oh, I didn't know it was so soon. Grace feels really tortured all of a sudden. She feels like she needs to work faster. Reality is setting in. 75 days she needs to do something before Millie gets there because then it's too late. There wouldn't even be any of these dinner parties later. Some excuse that she had to help Millie adjust. Her chances of getting out were going to get even more slim. Grace was so overcome with emotion that the whole party clinks their glasses and Diane announces that she's pregnant. And Grace feels all the emotions hit her like a flood. Her life was supposed to be normal, but now she's worried for her sister's life every second of every day and she starts bawling. Tears just start streaming down her chin and everyone looks horrified. And Jack confronts her, because of course he has to in front of everyone. And she just says, I can't do this anymore, I can't. I know, I know. I think we should tell them, Grace, don't you? Grace had a miscarriage last week, and I'm afraid it wasn't the first. <gasps> I'm so sorry, Grace. Oh, oh, I wish you had told us. I feel awful about announcing my pregnancy like this. I didn't know. It's okay. Um, you know, we, we should probably just head home. Uh, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'm fine. Grace is like, I want to be in the safety of Esther's house. So she wipes her tears off, and she's like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm sorry. It's just a moment of weakness. Thankfully, Esther is persistent that they stay. No, just please. I have dessert waiting. It'll be fine. Grace is profusely apologizing for ruining the happy moment and making it awkward, but the dinner party moves on. They're all trying to be graceful, okay? And on the way home, Jack looks serious. <coughs> he said, you know, I have never questioned who I am, but tonight for a split second, 
when I was holding you in my arms and everybody was commiserating us with your miscarriage, I just I had a taste of what being normal would be like. And she's like, well, you could be. You could be if you wanted to. You could get help. I know you could. Yeah, but I just don't want to. I like who I am. And I like it more in 75 days' time when Millie comes to live with us. Shame we won't be seeing her tomorrow. I was almost beginning to miss her. Please, why don't we go to Thailand? I can't. I have that big uh, Thompson case coming up for work. Besides, 75 days is not too long to wait for Millie. Now get moving. And Grace starts moving upstairs. But he says, Grace, not upstairs. Do you want to see Millie tomorrow? Then sleep in the basement. Grace grits her teeth and heads into the basement. So back to the past. Once Grace found out that it was Jack that pushed Millie down the stairs on their wedding day, she knew that she had to escape him. But she was shocked that he would underestimate Millie. Like, maybe he thought that because of the way she spoke, that was a direct reflection of her mind, but she was much more clever than the credit that she got for. And Grace was worried what would happen if Jack ever found out that Millie knew what he did. So Grace knew she couldn't be passive anymore. She had to do something. For so long, she had resorted to being passive, not because she gave up, but because she was just looking for another opportunity. But Jack was also looking for opportunities to punish her. One day he asked her if she wanted to paint again. You know, a cure to boredom, but on one condition, that I get to choose what you paint. She's like, what do you mean? You paint what I want and you paint nothing more, nothing less. Well, it depends what you want me to paint. A portrait. A portrait? Yes, you've painted faces before, haven't you? A few, yeah, but just say yes or no, Grace. Grace felt all the hairs on the back of her neck stand up and she knew that she probably said, should say no, but um, she was so utterly bored. Okay, only if I can have a photograph to paint with. Done, would you like to start now? Here, this is the portrait that I want you to paint. This is one of my clients. Don't you think she looks beautiful? Grace screamed. The picture in front of her was of his client, but it was like pictures after the abuse of domestic violence. Oh my gosh. And he said, come on, Grace. Don't be shy. Take a look. After all, you're going to be seeing a lot of her for the next few weeks. Never. I will never paint her. Of course you will. You remembered. You agreed. And what happens when you go back on your word? That's right. You won't be able to see Millie, but it won't just be this week. It'll be the next week and the next week, all the weeks. Then you better get to painting. If you destroy this photo or deface it in any way, Millie will pay. If you don't re reproduce it on canvas or pretend like you can't, Millie will pay. I will check your daily progress to see how it's going. And if I decide that you're working a little bit too slow, then Millie will pay. And when you finish, you're gonna paint another and another and another until I decide that you're done. When will I be done? I'll show you one day when you're done. I promise, Grace. I will show you one day. So Grace cried and she started painting the bruised and bloodied face of a poor woman she was looking at literally every second of every day. It was bad. But she had to paint it because she had seen the box room and she knew it was bad. Back to present day. Grace woke up in the box room. Remember how she went to the basement after the dinner party? Well, she immediately craves sunlight because there's no windows in the box room. And she tries to calm herself down. That's all she can do is wait for Jack to fetch her. 
so that they can go see Millie. Which, don't get Grace wrong, she's very excited to see Millie, but each time it just gets harder and harder. Back then, Grace had more fight in her, but now, it never really occurred to her that she would have been locked up for over a year now. So there's like so little time, just 74 days left. That's not enough time. And the fact that Jack is counting down the days, like a kid waiting for Christmas for Millie to come move in, it made her feel violently ill. They go to pick up Millie, and immediately she asks to go to the hotel restaurant. And Jack is about to say no, but Janice says, You know, Millie's been telling me about the hotel restaurant and how much she loves it. She has promised the class about a whole Monday presentation on it, haven't you, Millie? She's already told us about the restaurant at the lake and the one with the pancakes. Hopefully, we can hear about the hotel restaurant today. And in fact, Mrs. Goodrich had heard so many things about the hotel restaurant from Millie that she is planning on doing the end of year staff dinner there. So we want Millie to take a full report on all the yummiest dishes. If you, if you guys don't mind, of course. I need to go to the hotel for Mrs. Goodrich. <laughs> then the hotel it is. They get into the car. Nobody else can see, but Jack is not smiling, okay? He's pissed, but at least he takes them to the hotel restaurant. And of course, Millie wants to use this restroom with Grace, the only moment of privacy without Jack, right? And Jack's like, there's no need for Grace to go with you. You're perfectly capable of going yourself. I have my period. I need Grace. Very well then, I will wait outside. You're not allowed in the ladies' toilet. I meant I'll wait outside the door of the ladies' restroom. So there you have it. Jack is now waiting outside in the girls' restroom and uh, Grace and Millie shuffle in and immediately Millie is shuffling into the stall with Grace. Shit, I need, I have something for you. I have something for you, it's a secret though. And inside a tissue folded up were all of Millie's sleeping pills, like 20 of them. What? What are these for? For sleep, but I didn't take them, I don't need them. Yeah, but they're to help you sleep better, Millie. I sleep fine. Yeah, because the pills were working. No, I was pretending. Why? For you, Grace. That's kind of you, Millie, but I don't need them. You need them for George Clooney. George Clooney? Yes, George Clooney is a very bad man. He pushed me down the stairs. Very bad man. I'm afraid I'm not following, Millie. Yes, you do. You understand. It's simple. We kill George Clooney. We can't do that, Millie. Yes, we can. He's a bad man. I think we need to flush these drugs, Millie. No! We can't do anything bad, Millie. Well, George Clooney did bad things, he's a very bad man, and I come live with Grace soon. Yes, that's right. And I'm scared of the bad man, I'm very scared. So we kill the bad man, we kill George Clooney. I'm sorry, Millie, but we can't kill anyone. Agatha, Agatha Christie kills people. Yes, but those are your murder mystery books, they're stories, Millie. You know, I'm, I'm gonna flush the pills away. Grace walks over to the toilet and makes a dramatic scene of flushing it, but she slipped the tissue up her sleeve. She made a whole show for Millie because Grace doesn't want her to be involved in any way if Grace is able to use the sleeping pills to kill Jack. Millie's pissed. Grace slips the pills into her shoe when Millie's not looking, so like in front of her toes and it hurts her feet when she walks, but that's the only place, okay? Millie's pissed. Grace, you're stupid. We can't kill George Clooney now. Yes, but we can't just kill bad men. It's against the law. Well, tell police that George Clooney is bad then. That's a good idea, Millie. I will tell them. Now! Not now, but soon, before you come and live with us. Promise? Yes. Do you trust me, Millie? Fine. I trust you. And what's our secret, Millie? I like Jack, but I don't like George Clooney. That's right. Now let's get back and maybe he'll buy us some ice cream. 
Grace feels sad that she can't tell Millie how clever her idea is and how proud of her she is. But with this newfound hope, she's got the pills inside of her shoe. Grace has no idea how she can even use them. So anyway, they go back to Jack, they grab ice cream, watch a movie, and when they drop Millie off, Janice is like questioning about why they're not seeing the house, right? Long story short, Janice is invited to bring Millie down next Sunday to see the house, to see Millie's new room. And this worries Grace because she just knows that the minute that Millie is inside the house, Jack is going to get all sorts of ideas and he's going to get even more excited and maybe he's going to find an excuse for her to come out of school early so that she could come and live with them. So she's really stressed out by this. So Grace is trying to look for ways to stall and she's trying to figure out what's the best way to handle this situation. And she's looking at the date and she thinks the invitation is for next week, but the week after that is Millie's birthday. So why don't you guys make it the Sunday after? Janice, bring Millie down to the house and we will have a party to celebrate Millie's 18th birthday at the same time. Wouldn't you like that, Millie? A birthday party in the new house and you can see your new yellow room. And Millie's like with cake and balloons? Oh, that's a lovely idea, Grace. Everyone seems over the moon except for Jack. Yes, and it'll give us enough time to get the house completely finished. What do you think, Jack? I think it's a great idea. How clever of you, Grace, to have thought of that. Now, shall we go? It's getting late and there's some things we need to do. Isn't there, darling? Grace felt all the joy and fear for outsmarting Jack, but she tries to hide her emotions. Inside the car, He's angry. He's not even talking, okay? He's really pissed because he never wanted Janice to come to their house. He never wanted her to have the address, to bring Millie down. He wanted to pick up Millie and bring her himself. So all of this is now turning into a party. It's just, it's fucking annoying. And he just finally breaks the silence in the car and says, I hope you realize that you've made everything so much worse for yourself by inviting Janice along. Jack, the reason I invited Janice is so that she can report back to Mrs. Goodrich that our house is beautiful and perfect for Millie. Do you honestly think the school that Millie has lived in for the past seven years is going to wave her goodbye without seeing and checking to see where she's going next? Very noble of you. But now I must ask, why are you so noble given the circumstances? I guess I've just accepted that there's nothing I can do to prevent this anymore, I think. I realized a while ago, but I thought I could still find a way, and I tried, and I tried so hard, but you were always there, just one step ahead of me. Well, I'm glad you realized it. Although I must admit, I've missed your failed attempts to escape. They were amusing, if nothing else. Grace sits in silence, and she's very happy that Jack has fallen for it, but also confused on how to drug Jack before it's time. So when they get into the house, the minute that they walk in through the door, Jack's phone starts ringing. He makes Grace wait by the front door, which means he's not letting her run up to get changed without him, which means the pills are still in her shoe. Hello, Esther. We've just walked in through the door, actually. We took Millie out for lunch. Oh, she's fine. And Grace is doing well. I'll tell her you co Of course, I will pass her to you. Grace is confused. She, he rarely ever lets her talk on the phone. Hello, Esther. I know you just got in, so I'm not going to keep you long, but I just wanted to check in on you after last night's dinner party. Remember the miscarriage talk? I'm fine, thank you. Feeling much better. My, um, yeah. Well, I just wanted to say, you know, my sister had a miscarriage, so I know how emotionally draining it can be. Even so, I wish I hadn't inflicted my disappointment on all of you. Jack is listening to Grace, but I guess it's not on speakerphone, so he's just listening to Grace. And Grace decides to jump on this opportunity. Esther asks, so how is Millie? 
very excited. Her care, Janice, is bringing her down for the for a birthday party the Sunday after next, so she can see the house. She'll be turning 18 on Monday, so we're having a bit of a celebration. How lovely! I hope you'll let me bring a card for her. Grace has to play this just right. Um, that's very kind of you, and I, I guess you're right. Millie should have a proper birthday party, and she should meet all the kids of your kids and Diane's kids. And Esther sounds confused. Oh, wait, uh, no, I certainly didn't mean to suggest that you should be giving a party or that you should invite the kids. Uh, I, I just meant I could pop in and bring a card and a small dessert or something. Esther sounds embarrassed, but Grace keeps going. Why not? Diane and Adam have always wanted to meet Millie. Uh, honestly, Grace, I don't think any of us want to intrude. Not at all. It's all a very good idea. Shall we say three? Well, if, if you're sure... Yes, it, it would be lovely for Millie. Okay, I, I guess I'll see you on the ninth then, Grace. I look forward to it. Goodbye, Esther. Thank you for phoning. They hang up and immediately Jack explodes. What the hell was that about? Have you really just invited them all for a birthday party for Millie? No, Jack. Esther decided that we should give Millie a proper party and invited herself and her children. And you know what? She's like almost ordered me to invite Diane and Adam along. Well, why didn't you just refuse? Because that kind of role doesn't come easily to me anymore because you've gotten me used to playing this perfect wife role for so long and saying the right socially acceptable thing. If you don't want them here, then you uninvite them. Go ahead. Our friends may as well get used to the fact that they're never going to meet Millie. What excuses are you going to give them later on, huh? I thought I would tell them that your parents suddenly realized how much they missed their beautiful daughter and, and Millie went on to New Zealand to live with them. Grace was horrified at just how much he had planned for Millie to be out of sight and from her exit of society. So they walk up the stairs and she said, what if my parents were going to come over for Christmas? I doubt that they would. And anyway, maybe Millie would have given up and died before then. Although I hope not, that would be really inconvenient. But I don't know. We'll see. Jack sees Grace turn away and clench her fist, and he starts laughing, cackling, really. You just would love to kill me, wouldn't you? Eventually, yes, but first I would like you to suffer. Not much chance, I'm afraid. Just cancel the whole party then, Jack. There's no way I can sit through all of that and pretend that everything is fine. Then, maybe that's the perfect punishment for inviting Janice in the first place. The party shall go on. They go upstairs, and she's looking for a reason for him to get distracted. She pretends to drag her feet, she's changing, she's getting into her PJs, and right before she takes off her shoes, she says, Did you ever tell the neighbors that you have a manic depressive wife and a disabled sister-in-law that's coming to live with you? Why would I? I'm not very close with my neighbors. And besides, they're never going to meet Millie. But they'll see her from the, from the garden at the party. How would they see her? They have that window that's facing our garden. They do? Jack runs over to the window in the closet and he's craning his neck out. Yeah, that one right there. Meanwhile, Grace is getting the tissues. She's slipping them into the pockets of her pajamas and puts her shoes away. Nah, they can't see it. The window's too far from us. Anyway, let's go. And he leads her back to the room and shuts it closed. She hides the pills under the mattress. And for the first time in 15 months, she feels victorious. Back in the past, Grace ends up in the box room after smashing a wine bottle against the back of Jack's head before one of their dinner parties. Yeah, she did that. She tried to escape. It didn't work, okay? She probably should have hit him harder, but she was scared of killing him for some reason. 
or like killing someone in general, but um, he did not knock out. He controlled himself long enough to cancel the dinner party and threw Grace downstairs into the box room. The box room was terrifying. Behind the utility closet where the dog had been found was this hidden door, and when you open it, there is completely a red room. Red floor, red walls, red ceiling, and all the walls had her paintings of the beaten woman hung up as wallpaper. There was not a single ounce of furniture in there. The lights made the room glow even more red, blood red. Grace was thrown in there and she started crying out in pain and horror. Take a good look. I hope Millie will appreciate it as much as I do because this is the room that she's going to be staying in. Not that pretty yellow room upstairs that I have decorated to the T with all those cute little plushies. No, this is her room. Tell me how scared you think she's going to be. Think about that. Do you think Millie's going to like the paintings you've done for her? Which one do you think is going to be her favorite? This one? And he would drag her to each painting and shove her face in front of it. And he went from painting to painting. And then he closed the door, leaving her there, scratching, banging at the walls. There wasn't even a handle from the inside. There was no way to get out, no keypad, no latch, nothing. And he just sat there laughing on the other side of the door. She tried to calm down because he was getting off on her fear and she knew it. But every time she tried to calm down, it's like she couldn't stop hyperventilating in a room like this. And he kept saying, every time she calmed down, just imagine Millie inside of here. So from then on, it became a game of Jack putting up her up to these very difficult tasks that were almost impossible, like these crazy dinner party menus Jack would come up with. And if she failed or if it was slightly imperfect, she would be thrown into the, the box room, the red room, right? But the thing is, you're like, why doesn't he just throw her in there to begin with? He can do that. It's all about the mind games. He really liked watching her to see the feeling of, oh, you could have prevented it if you had just cooked a better dinner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So back to present day. It was party day. Millie and Janice get out, get there before everybody else does, and Jack gives them a wonderful tour of the house. Millie is over the moon when she sees her room, which is completely filled with yellow stuff, yellow beds, yellow everything. This is like the room that he shows everybody when they come in. Even Janice is like, wow, this is the most beautiful house, the most beautiful room. I'm so excited to know that Millie's in good hands. And he even gifts her with this beautiful yellow dress to wear for her birthday party. So Millie and Janice run up to change and Jack whispers over as he's prepping the table. She may as well enjoy it while she can, right? Somehow I don't think Millie's going to enjoy her real room as much, do you? Anyway, help me set the table. Millie runs down and she's beaming in her dress and appreciating all the birthday decor that he's managed to set up and she throws her arms around Grace and whispers, I did not forget that he's a bad man. And Grace laughs, and she sees Jack looking at them, and she says, Yes, Millie, Jack is a very nice man. Now, party time. So Diane and Adam and their children, as well as Rufus and Esther and their children join them, and they all have beautiful presents for Millie. A necklace with an M engraved on there from Adam and Diane. And she's like, wow, so pretty. And speaking of gifts, Jack says, Grace has a present for Millie, but she can't see till she moves in. Paintings for her room. And everyone's like, oh, Millie's going to love it. Grace is such a good painter. What sort of paintings? Portraits. Very realistic ones. Grace has a wonderful eye for detail. And Grace looks completely pale. And Esther asks her, are you all right, Grace? You've lost a lot of weight. You look so frail and thin these days. Yes, I think it's the season change now that it's getting warmer. I don't think I'm used to the heat. But go on, Millie. Open your other presents. 
Another couple that came last minute, friends of Jack's, gave uh, Millie a silver trinket box, and then Esther and Rufus's gift. It's a large velvet red box decorated with sequins and glass. Millie loves it. She's literally over the moon. But it gets a bit awkward because Esther keeps talking. Millie, it's to keep things in um, your room. I bought it to match your room. My room is yellow. Wait, your room is red, isn't it? Yellow. Yellow is my favorite color. I thought your favorite color was red. Yellow. Wait, Jack, didn't you say you were decorating Millie's room red because it was her favorite color? No, I don't think so. But even Diane jumps in. Yeah, Jack, you did. At least that's what you told us. Um, that luncheon that we had when you crashed our lunch, you said it was going to be a red room. I remember. Well, if I did, I'm very sorry. I must have been thinking about something else at the time. But you said that on more than one occasion. When you came to dinner at our place, you said you couldn't wait for Millie to see her red room. Isn't that what he said, everyone? Grace? I'm afraid I don't remember. Does it really matter, Esther? what I said. It must have been a mistake. I've been tired from the big case, but look, Millie loves the gift. I just, I think it's strange to make the same mistake twice. I wasn't aware I had made a mistake, Esther. If Esther keep talking, she'd be down there. Yeah, she'd be <laughs> no down in the red room, girl. You can see a red room for sure. I guess I could take it back and change it to, for the yellow one, I suppose. No, it's okay, Esther. I'm sure Millie loves it. And while the party continues, Grace sees Esther eyeing Jack. And it's nice to know that Jack's attempts to break her in front of Diane and Esther, like that's literally, he only said the red room to torture her, bit him in the butt, right? Got him in a little bit of a pickle. But nobody seemed to care as much except for Esther. She seemed very disgruntled. And near the end of the party, Jack hands Grace an envelope in front of everyone. A gift for you too. Grace opens it up and freezes. Diane, ever the f***ing dense girl. So, what is it? <laughs> um, two tickets to Thailand and she's panicking because she has things set in motion she's trying to f***ing kill Jack before, you know you said you what? well, Grace, you said you wanted one last holiday before Millie moves in with us but you said you had this big case and we, you had to focus and the, the Thompson case I'm going to be working overtime to make sure that it's um, done by then so we can be in Thailand by the time that we get out there and then when we come back, Millie will come and stay with us. Even Adam is confused. Adam works at Jack's law firm and he's like, are you sure the case is going to be done so soon? I hope so. I mean, it's going to court next week. But even so, it's not so clear this time. It's not a clear-cut case from what the papers are saying. Her husband is squeaky clean. Oh, come on, Adam. Don't tell me you believe those papers. It's just a theory. It's a setup. They're trying to frame her. They're, the tabloids are saying she's having an affair. It's all lies. You know that, Adam. I'm confident that I'm going to win. Are you sure? Absolutely. I've never lost a case, and I don't intend on starting to lose now. Adam looks confused, and he turns to Grace and says, What do you think, Grace? You must have read the papers. Um, I think he is guilty as hell, the husband. Esther has been staring at Grace this whole conversation. And she says, you know, it must be so exciting, Grace, to have a husband who deals with such high-profile cases. Oh, Jack rarely talks about his work when he comes home, especially not the um, details for reasons, of or for reasons of client confidentiality, but also just, I guess I don't like to hear about it. But back to the holiday, Jack, wouldn't it be better to postpone it till Millie comes with us? Why, Grace? Well, there's a risk that your case might not be over in time. I mean, even Adam agrees. No, it will be. W what if it isn't? Then you will go ahead to Thailand and I will join you after. <laughs> she knows he would never let this happen. 
But he says sternly, we're not canceling the holiday, Grace. You need to rest before Millie comes. Everyone has pointed out that you have been losing weight. You need to take care of yourself. You need a vacation. You would really let me go without you? Of course. Esther finally looks at Jack approvingly. That is very generous of you, Jack. Not at all. I mean, why would I deprive my beautiful wife of a holiday just because I can't go? Grace can hardly think straight while everybody sings happy birthday. She feels so detached from the situation. Grace wants to stand up and scream, Jack is a fucking maniac. He's dangerous. We need to lock him up. He wants to torture my sister in the fucking red room. Like, let me show you in the basement to the red room. Yeah, she should have done that. Yeah, but these people are Jack's friends and just judging by... I guess her thought process was that they've known Jack for years and he always has some sort of insurance plan or something that he would pull up even the local doctor there's so much like i think at this point it's like the elephant situation where she's been trained to feel like he's everywhere at all times now why would anyone here believe her after the birthday cake jack announces that he has another surprise for grace and millie another surprise oh grace don't look so worried knowing jack i'm sure it'll be something nice i didn't really want to tell you yet but i want you to know that after millie moves in um, we let her settle, settle in for a couple days and we're going to be taking all of us to New Zealand. Wh what? Why? To go see your parents. You don't think that's too much for her? To leave so soon after? Surely it's better to wait till Christmas. Diane Butson. I hear New Zealand is beautiful. I'm not sure I would ever come back if I went to New Zealand. I heard it's that good. <laughs> Jack laughs. Well, that's obviously one of the dangers, of course. Millie could end up loving it so much she wants to stay with her parents. And Grace realizes what Jack is doing. He is giving Millie an out instantly. She would never. First of all, she would never leave me, Jack. Well, what if you decide to stay in New Zealand too, my love? His tone is joking, but it's clear. It's not just Millie that's exiting out of the picture. It's going to be her too. She's, there's, no gonna, there's not going to be any more dinner parties. I wouldn't ever leave you, Jack. So, after the party, Grace kickstarts her hunger strike, if you will. So she sat there day in, day out, not touching any of the food that Jack brought in. She had to get him feeling alarmed. I mean, the hunger pangs were real, especially the smell of each meal was killing her. He was bringing her favorites to try and get her to eat, but she was losing even more weight. She looked so frail that you had to wonder, like, what's going on over there, right? And he, he was getting upset, but the thought of Millie in that red room made it easier for her to not eat. She had a plan. Not hungry, Grace? No. You're not on some hunger strike, are you? No, just not hungry. Why not? I suppose I never really thought it would come to this. I always thought in the end I would find a way to save Millie from you. Let me guess, you thought good triumphs evil or that knight in shining armor would come along and rescue you and Millie? Something like that. It's not going to happen, is it? Millie's going to move in with us and there's nothing I can do about it. If it's any consolation, there was nothing you could ever do about it. But I'm glad you're beginning to accept the inevitable. It'll make everything easier for you in the long run. Grace stares at the delicious chicken and potatoes in the wine glass and she says, I don't suppose I can have some whiskey instead of wine? Whiskey. I didn't know you drank whiskey. And I didn't know you were a psychopath. Can I please just get some whiskey? I used to drink it with my father. Jack thought about it, but he turned down, got some whiskey, and brought it in a plastic cup. First, you have to eat. You're going to be no good for me if you're too weak to look after Millie. Please, first, whiskey. I hoped it would give me some sort of appetite. Can I just have it, please? Jack hesitates, gives it to her. 
She knew he was watching her when she took the first sip, but it was impossible not to make a face. Not to your liking, huh? You don't like whiskey, do you? Well, have you ever had whiskey out of a plastic cup? Believe me, it doesn't feel or taste the same. Maybe you could bring it in a glass next time. And Grace knocked it back. Now eat something, please. Grace only allowed herself to eat like tiny bits. She ate it slowly and at the end she acted disgusted with the food and that was that. That's all? Can you eat a little more? Sorry, maybe tomorrow. The next day, when Jack didn't bring whiskey, he threatened Grace instead. If you don't eat, there's no point in taking Millie out to lunch next week because you're not even gonna eat. All right then, whatever you say. Millie's gonna be very disappointed. Yeah, well, it won't be the first time. From then on, Jack started bringing whiskey with every dinner, and Grace worked really hard to eat as little as possible with every meal because she needed him to keep bringing the whiskey. Listen, Grace never thought about killing Jack, but the fact that he brought up New Zealand, the way that he was so easily trying to wipe both of them from society, she knew that it was either Millie's life or Jack's life. Jack had to die. He even rubbed it in. He was all like, the New Zealand plan was smart, huh? I'll find an excuse to send the two of you to New Zealand without me because of work. And then in the end, it'll be so delayed, it's not worth me going anyway. And just as I'm about to go to the airport Heathrow to pick you up, you call me, saying that Millie doesn't want to get aboard the plane because she wants to stay with her parents. And you're torn between your loving husband and your lunatic sister. But you can't get on the plane either. Being the loving husband that I am, I say, it's okay, extend your trip. But that extension turns very long, and soon you never come back. And you call me and saying, that's it, Jack, I'm done with you. And it'll, I'll be so heartbroken, so much so that I never have to remarry and no one will ever say your name in front of me again because they know it's a sensitive spot. And they'll all feel so bad for me, the forgotten man. And both of you will be forgotten. Grace says, when you bring up my whiskey tomorrow, will you bring one for yourself and stay? And why would I do that? Because I'm tired, Jack. I'm tired of being cooped up for 24 hours a day and having no one to talk to. Do you know what that feels like? Sometimes I feel like I'm going mad. In fact, I wish I could go mad. And I want my whiskey in a glass. Grace didn't know why. She didn't think that it would work, but it worked. Jack brought up two glasses of whiskey with Grace's dinner and they started drinking. And she said, can I ask you something? Sure. It's about the Thompson case. He was married to an actress, Dina, and socialite. I seem to remember something about it when they did get married. Dina Anderson. So she accused him of beating her up? I'm not allowed to discuss my cases. Well, everyone else seems to know, so either you haven't been very discreet or it's common knowledge. What did Adam say about her having a lover? He's just being provocative. There's no truth to that. It's just rubbish from the tabloids trying to discredit her. Why would they do that? Because her husband, Thompson, he owns shares in most of the tabloids and all the media companies. Now, eat, finish up. I'm not leaving without the glasses. That night, after Jack left the room, Grace grabbed the pills and used the shampoo bottle to crush up a few of them. She needed to understand how strong they were. She had a total of 20. She used the top of the shampoo bottle to dissolve four crushed up pills to drink them. And um, she was knocked out in 15 minutes. Like, immediately. She knocked out for 14 hours and woke up groggy and confused and unbelievably thirsty. Jack was almost twice her weight, but 16 was more than enough to knock his ass out and probably kill him outright. And to make it easier, it seemed like the Thompson case had progressed and it was not going well. So for every dinner, Jack brought, down, brought up two whiskey glasses to drink and he would rant about what happened in court. And then that night he said, tomorrow we're going to Thailand after dinner. 
So drink up and then you gotta pack tonight. We're still going to Thailand? Yeah. I did. Yeah, why wouldn't we? I did, the, the case, I didn't realize the, the case. The jury's been out for two days. They promised a verdict before lunch tomorrow. You're gonna win, aren't you? That bitch lied to me. What do you mean? She did have a lover. So it was her lover that hit her? No, it was her husband. Then you have nothing to worry about. Jack finished his glass and said, I'm so glad we're going to Thailand. If I fail to convince the jury, it will be the first ever case I've lost. And I can already see the press having a fucking field day. Fallen Angel will be the title or some corny bullshit like that. Anyway, are you done? It's time to pack. Grace nervously packed, getting ready for what she had to do tomorrow. She thought that the Thailand was going to get canceled, but I guess not. But if everything went according to plan, Grace was going to get away with murder. So this is in the past. Let's go back to present time. Like the past and present are getting very close together now. Grace is standing in front of her house with her suitcase at her feet. The gates open with the click of a button and Grace gets into the car, puts her suitcase in, and then gets into the passenger seat. She smiles at the driver. Thanks for coming on such short notice, Esther. No problem. But we're probably gonna have to hurry if we're gonna make your flight. Grace waves towards the house and blows a kiss. I wish he were coming with me. I hate leaving him when he's so down. Oh yeah, I heard. It's the first time he lost the case, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's why he's taking it so hard, but he did think that the husband Thompson was guilty, or else he wouldn't have taken the first case he wouldn't have taken the case in the first place. Unfortunately, Dina was less than truthful with Jack. Hit a lot of things, so yeah, he's very upset. I expect him to tell me all about it when he joins me in Thailand. You know, it's funny because I used to travel all over the world for work before I got married, but the thought of spending even a few days alone in Thailand without Jack feels nerve-wracking. I guess I'm just used to him having being nearby all the time. Well, I guess you could always see use the spa at the hotel or something. Like, rest, I suppose. I wished I could have waited for him, but... He insisted I go, and I guess it's better than to argue when he's in this state. He probably wants to lick his wounds in peace, you know? Men are like that. The thing is, we were hoping to conceive a baby in Thailand, which is another reason he wants to be completely relaxed. It's about the right time for me, ovulation time. Esther grabs Grace's hand and squeezes it. I really hope it works out for you both. Well, if it does, you'll be the first person to know. So Jack is joining you on Tuesday? Yes, well, early morning Wednesday for me in Thailand, but he's taking the Tuesday flight. Although he did say that there might be a delay, I'm not sure, but um, I think he was joking, at least. I hope that he'll be there Wednesday morning. So you'll have four days alone? That's not too bad. You could definitely hit the spa, the beach, the pool. Yeah. Do you need Rufus to take Jack to the airport? Oh, no, no worries, it's fine. Jack is going to take the car and leave it at the airport for when we fly back. Grace is so surprised at how easy this conversation is between the two of them. And when Esther drops Grace off, they wave goodbye at the departures, and Grace finally feels like she can breathe. But this is just the calm before the storm. Grace gets to Thailand, and she, the whole time she feels like any moment, the hand is going to be on her so sh shoulder, and it's going to be Jack. But she gets to the hotel that they always check in in. It's the same manager greeting her. Oh, Mrs. Angel, where's Mr. Angel? Is he, um, I read the papers. Yes, he's joining me in a couple of days Wednesday morning, but he's finishing up some paperwork back in town. He's been taking it quite hard. Because of how profile the Thompson case was, everyone in the world seemed to know what was going on, like he had lost, right? 
and Mr. Angel had his first lost ever. But being the nice gentleman that the manager is, he upgrades Grace to one of their suites and walks her to the room himself. In the room, Grace showers and braces herself to leave that first voicemail. Do you know where this is going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, darling, it's me. I know you told me you might not pick up, but I was rather hoping you would. As you can tell, I am missing you already, but maybe you're still in bed. Anyway, I've arrived safely, and guess what? Mr. Ho, the manager, felt so sorry for me being on my own that he upgraded us to a better room. Even so, I hate being here without you. Anyway, I hope the press isn't hounding you too much, and you're managing to get through your paperwork. Don't work too hard, and if you've got a minute, please call me. I'm in room 107. Otherwise, I'll try again later. Love you. Bye for now. She takes a bath and does all these things that she's wanted to do. She orders room service. In the bath, Grace has a full-on mental breakdown. She's shivering at the time that she gets out. Like, she had spent hours just sobbing, dry heaving in there. But in five days' time, if everything goes to plan, it will be okay. Then another voicemail. Hello, darling. I really wasn't expecting to get you because it's 2 in the morning in England, so you might be fast asleep, but I thought I'd leave you a message for you to listen to when you wake up. I meant to call you earlier, but I fell asleep. My god, I must have been so exhausted. I'm going down to breakfast in a minute, but I've got no idea I'm going to spend the rest of the day here. I might go for a walk. Maybe I'll just hang out at the pool. I don't know. Will you give me a ring when you wake up? You can always leave a message at the reception if I'm not in my room. I feel very far from you right now. Anyway, love you, miss you, don't forget to call me. So for the next couple days, she went to the beach, she went to eat breakfast, hung out with the manager, the front desk, the reception, and Wednesday morning, she waited by the lobby with a book for Jack's arrival. When he didn't walk in through the lobby doors, she started pacing, pacing some more. And she went to the front desk, do you know if the flight from England has been delayed? Do you know if, if we call them, will they tell us if Jack checked in or not, or if he's on the plane? No, confident? Okay. Okay, uh, that's fine. No, I, I don't need tea. Thank you so much. Then she waited in the lobby. When he didn't come, she called Adam. And Adam said, Oh, I thought that he joined you in Thailand after the case was over. I haven't heard from him at all. Are you saying that he's still in England? Well, I'm sure it's fine. Maybe he just turned off his phone because of all the reporters after the case ended. And um, why don't I try to call around and see if anybody's been in touch with him? See if anybody has dropped him off at the airport or what's going on? Nobody gets in touch with him all of Thursday. Then Friday, Grace starts feeling very panicked. She starts calling more and more people, kind of becoming unhinged with Adam, leaving more voicemails. After two days of a show of Grace running around crying in the phone, crying to the front desk, crying to call the British Embassy. Finally, there's a knock on the door. Adam had gotten the local police to do a wellness check. Grace had a-okayed the break-in of their house, and um, the British Embassy was now at the Thailand Hotel to talk to them, to talk to Grace. We're, we're with the British Embassy, Miss Angel. Uh, we wonder if we can have a word with you? Is this about Jack? Have you managed to find him? Yes, or rather, the police in England have. Oh, thank God, is he here? Why wasn't he answering his phone? Is he on his way here? Perhaps you'd like to take a seat. A friend, that um, an older lady from England that befriended, that befriended Grace also sits with her. She was also on vacation in Thailand. Her name is Margaret. Margaret is like, it's okay, sweetie, it's gonna be okay. I'm very sorry to tell you this, but Mrs. Angel? Mr. Angel has been found dead. She panics. I don't understand. I'm afraid your husband has been found dead, Miss Angel. No, he can't be. He's coming to join me. He said that he would be here. Where is he? Why isn't he here? 
Mrs. Angel, I know it's very difficult for you. Did he have a car accident? Is that, is that why? Is, is, oh my God. Was he rushing to catch his flight and then he had a car accident? Is that, was anybody else hurt? It must be a mistake though, but if it's not him, I don't think it's him. Grace is sobbing, she's hysterical, she's shivering, then apologizing profusely. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I just, I don't believe it. <sighs> Mrs. Angel, there's no, I'm afraid there's no easy way to say this, but your husband took his own life. And with that, Grace burst into tears. Let's get back to the past. A few hours before Thailand, Grace spent all morning crushing up all 16 pills as best as possible, and she waited. Even though her whole plan betted on the fact that he had to lose the case, she was worried that if he did lose, there would be no whiskey that night. But sure enough, he came home, poured two glasses of whiskey, and she waited, listening ear to the door as he brought dinner. They were going to have dinner, drink their whiskey, then get aboard for their flight to Thailand, right? So as she heard him coming up, she started rubbing her eye to make it inflamed and red. Jack stepped into the room with the two glasses of whiskey. Well, how did it go? We lost. Oh, no. Well, I got something in my eye. Can you please help me with it? What? Could you please just look in my eye? So she's holding her whiskey glass. He's holding his. And he's trying to look into her eye, but she won't open it because it, it just hurts so much. And she's working the paper with all the powder inside her sleeve into the palm of her hand and slowly shakes it into her own glass and stirs it with her finger. Oh my God, it just hurts. Here, just can you just try to open my eye with both your hands and take out whatever's in there? Here, I'll hold your glass. It just hurts so much. And she swaps the glasses. And then finally, when he's done, she gives him back his glass and he talks about how the bitch lied to her. She lied about the affair. Well, I'm sorry. What should we toast to today? Revenge. And they knock their glasses back. And Jack goes on a fucking rant. You know what the best part about my job is? No, what? Sitting all beside all of those battered women and imagining that it was me that had beaten them. And he knocked back the rest of his glass. All the whiskey. And he says, all those photos, all those lovely photos and their injuries, I suppose you could call it one of the perks of the job. Grace lost her shit. Before she could help herself, she threw the rest of her whiskey into his face and she was terrified. She had acted too soon. He lunged towards her. He shut his eyes from the sting of the whiskey. She pushed him back and he stumbled awkwardly because he's starting, the drugs are starting to take place, okay? And she, he slams to the wall. She opens the door to her room and runs out. And Jack starts chasing after her, screaming. He chases her all the way down the stairs and she lets him catch her. And immediately she starts begging him to not send her into the room. The what? mention of the room made Jack realize what a great idea it was. He dragged her along the hall, down the stairs. Grace's body went limp to show that she had accepted defeat. But right when he tried to throw her down, he, she grabbed as hard as she could. And from the drugs, he was drowsy. He got knocked off his feet. They're both on the ground now. And he's trying to stand up so he can lock her in there and taunt her. But she grabs his knees and pulls them out from underneath him. And in that weakened state, he falls back. And there's a moment where he's in shock from the fall. And he doesn't move. And she jumps up and locks the door. Why go through all the troubles? She could hear him banging on the door, yelling at her to let him out. The fury in his voice made her terrified. Oh, so he's not completely out. Is that what it is? Yeah. He, she's, she's just trying to use yeah. his drowsiness to mm -hmm. lock him in. Yeah. 
Grace ran upstairs to the bedroom, got the whiskey glasses, cleaned them out in the sink, carefully put them back in the cupboard. She hurried up the stairs to the bedroom and got her packed bag, went into the study, found her passport, and she had no idea how to even get to Thailand. But she didn't even know the number to a taxi. She didn't even have money for a taxi. The only number she remembered was Esther's. And she didn't want Esther to pick her up, but that's how Esther came to get her to, to the airport. So back to the present, Grace is landing in England. Diane and Adam have been working with the police with this whole thing, and they, Diane was supposed to pick up Grace. But instead of Diane, it was Esther. And you know, Grace had all the responses ready for the police. There were a couple things that she was a little bit nervous about, but she thought that she had it down. But just knowing that Esther was gonna be the person that she rides all the way home with, Esther was just too smart. She was gonna ask too many questions. So she didn't feel good about this. She was so scared that Esther was gonna say, you know what, they found out that it wasn't suicide, it was homicide. Esther says, I hope you don't mind. I offered to pick you up. I didn't have anything to do today. And I'm so sorry about Jack. Yeah, I still can't believe it. I can't believe that he's dead, you know? Yeah, must have been a shock for you. Come on, let's go grab some coffee before we head home. Coffee? Sh shouldn't we go straight to Diane's? I'd like to speak to Adam and I need to get to the police station. Apparently the detective wants to talk to me. Oh, we'll only be stuck in rush hour if we go now. So we might as well grab some coffee. And immediately Esther runs to the airport cafe where she heads to the middle where they're surrounded by noisy school children. Sit. I'll grab the coffees. Grace is panicked. She feels like Esther is going to grill her, question her. Maybe she thinks that she murdered Jack. Esther finally sits down. Grace, how much do you know about Jack's death? What do you mean? I presume you know how he died. Yes, he took an overdose. But that's not what killed him. I don't understand. It seems that he misjudged the amount of pills he would need, and he didn't take enough, so he didn't die. Well, at least not from the overdose anyway. I don't understand. Well, because he didn't take enough pills to kill himself, he regained consciousness. So what did he die from? Dehydration. Dehydration? Yes. It took about four days after he took the overdose. But if he wasn't dead, why didn't he just get a drink of water? Because he couldn't. His body wasn't found in the main part of the house, you see. It was found in a room in the basement. A room in the basement. Yes, the worst thing is, it couldn't be opened from the inside, which meant he couldn't get out even when the thirst took hold. It seemed like he tried, though. Oh no, my, my poor Jack. My poor, poor Jack, I can't bear to think how he must have suffered. Do you have any idea why he would do such a thing? Not at all. I would have never left if I thought otherwise. I would have never gone to Thailand if I thought he was going to kill himself. So how was he when he came back from court? He was disappointed about losing the case, of course. Well, to me, it just seems completely out of character for him to take his own life. Or at least that's what everyone would think. So he was probably a bit more than disappointed, don't you think? Because it was the first case he ever lost. Yes, it was the first case. So he must have been devastated. Maybe he told you something along the lines like he felt his career was going to be over. But you thought it was just something he said in the moment. Grace stared at Esther. What game was she playing? Isn't that what he said, Grace? Didn't he say that his career was over now? Yes, he did say that. So it must be why he killed himself, because he can't stand failure. It must have been. It also explains why he was so eager for you to leave. He wanted you out the way and in Thailand so that he could take the pills, and it seems like he took them not long after you left. Do you know where he got them? I mean, did he sometimes take sleeping pills? 
Sometimes. They weren't prescribed though. They were, um, you just buy them over the counter. They were the same ones Millie was taking. I remember him asking Mrs. Goodrich for the name for them. Right. And the fact that he knew that the door to the basement room didn't open from the inside shows that he realized that the pills probably weren't enough to kill him. The police will ask you about that room, you know. What about it? Did you know about it? Because Jack showed it to you? Yes, Jack showed it to me. They will also want to know what the room was for and why it was painted red. Even the floor and ceiling, everything was red. The walls were hung with paintings of women who were brutally beaten, his former clients. Grace can't bear to look Esther in the face, but tells Esther the excuse that she had come up with on the plane. Jack used that red room as some sort of annex. He showed it to me not long after we moved in. He said that he found it useful to spend time in there instead of the study to get into the mindset, to really see what these women had gone through to get, um, to get prepared for court. It was his way of getting emotionally into the case. He didn't like a lock inside because, well, that's how women felt trapped in domestic violence situations. They couldn't leave and he needed to feel that. Because as a, as a man who has never endured domestic violence, it's hard for him to understand his clients. And the paintings? I didn't see the paintings. Jack must have hung them up later. I'm not sure about the paintings. I suppose he didn't show them to you because they were too graphic and he didn't want to distress you. Probably. Jack was so wonderful and caring that way. Always thought about me. They might ask you if you knew the door couldn't be opened from the inside. Uh, no, I only went down there once, but yeah, maybe that's why it didn't open, but no. Don't worry, Grace. The police are going to go easy on you. Remember, Jack told the police that you were mentally fragile, so you have to kind of play into that sometimes. Grace is like, how do you know all of this about how Jack died, where his body was found, the portraits, and what the police are going to ask me? Oh, Adam told me. It's going to be all over the papers tomorrow. He thought that you should be prepared, and he wanted to tell you himself, but I thought it was better if I did. That's why I came to pick you up, since, you know, we were the last ones to see Jack alive. The last ones to see Jack alive? You know, last Friday when I picked you up to take you to the airport, we saw him wave goodbye from the study window. When I put your suitcase in the trunk? Yeah, he was waving goodbye. And if I remember correctly, you told me that he didn't come out the gate because he wanted to get straight down into the paperwork. The only thing is I can't remember, was he wearing his jacket or not? No, he wasn't. He wasn't wearing his tie either. He had taken them both off when he got back. Ah, yes. Right. So he waved goodbye and he blew you a kiss. Grace understood the enormity of what she was doing and what she was offering, like the hints she was giving. And Grace felt her whole body shaking. And she said, thank you. It's going to be okay, Grace. And she reached over and grabbed her hand. It'll be okay, I promise. Tears started streaming down her face. She said, I don't understand. Did Millie say something to you at the party? <laughs> Only that she didn't like George Clooney. Then why? What color was Millie's room, Grace? Red. Millie's room was red. That's what I thought. And that is the end of behind closed doors. My gosh. My golly, my gosh. It's a journey. I gotta go get some whiskey. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I will see you guys tomorrow. Make sure to check out all of B.A. Paris's books because she has like four new books and I'm gonna be devouring all of them and I won't be doing bams on them so you gotta go read them. And I hope you guys enjoyed and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye.